egotistical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Yes! Hello, everybody. My name is John Schneider from the SNL Network, and I am so excited to be here today to set you up for a very special show we put together, and we have a wonderful guest on with us today. It is Jamie Dew, the curator of the SNL Hall of Fame. Jamie, how are you? I'm great, John. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm so excited for what we are about to present. Yes. Listeners. Uh, you know, Jamie, for if you, if you don't know him, he has been working very hard over at the SNL Hall of Fame podcast all year. Jamie, can you tell the listeners what you have been doing over at the SNL Hall of Fame? Sure, John. It's, uh, it's really, you know, been a lot of fun. What I've done is I've invited guests to uh, come into my virtual studio and bring with them a nominee in one of four categories, uh, musical guest, cast member, writer, and host. And then they spend, you know, 25 or 30 minutes laying out an argument as to why that person should be in the SNL hall of fame. From there, uh, we get into actual voting and, um, well, that sort of leads us to what we're doing today. Yeah, it's really exciting. Jamie contacted me and said he wanted to put together a show where some of the greatest minds in SNL podcasting could come together and talk about which people from the ballot could make it into the first edition or the first class of the SNL Hall of Fame. And we have a lot of great representatives from the cast member, host, musical guest, and writer categories. And what you are about to listen to is a very fun show with myself, Jamie, Andrew Dick from That Week in SNL, Nicole Rovine, and Bill Kenny all coming together to nominate their favorites from the ballot. So uh, really, really exciting stuff that we did on this show. Jamie, are you looking forward to seeing everybody's picks? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really... Um... Uh, like, I'm really curious because, you know, I've been I've been sort of living this for you know, the better part of a year. And I'm really curious to see how it plays out now that we're in the crucial, you know, voting stage and, uh, and the listener becomes the voter, you know? For sure. So if you love Saturday Night Live, take a listen to this show. Let us know what you think of the picks we selected for the SNL Hall of Fame and make sure to get your votes in. If your favorites don't make the SNL Hall of Fame, it's because you didn't vote for them. So make sure you do that. Uh, Jamie, where can the listeners find the voting? Uh, the best place to go is on our socials, which you can find at SNLHOF uh, on any of the uh, major platforms except for TikTok at this point. Awesome. All right. So, yeah. uh, ladies and gentlemen, we present to you the official start of the voting for the initial edition of the SNL Hall of Fame. Enjoy. Okay, I am... Delighted. <laughs> I am 100% delighted to be here in the SNL Hall of Fame for the SNL Hall of Fame voting ceremony, whereby mm -hmm. I have gathered some top flight SNL podcasters to reveal their picks live here with us tonight. So uh, who have we got on the docket to my left? I've got John Schneider. John, how are you doing tonight? 
I am fantastic, Jamie. I'm so thrilled that you brought me onto the show. I nominated a few people during the season, and now I get to reveal my picks on the ballots. And of course, my ballot is the correct ballot that you all should follow. The blueprint. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. And to your left uh, from that week in SNL uh, is Andrew Dick. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing well. Uh, uh, I'm glad to be here. Um, just throwing down, throwing down the nominations, <laughs> and mine are the only ones that matter. Oh boy! Oh boy! It's on! It is on! I fully expect some uh, fingers to be snapping soon. <laughs> Bill Kenny down there in the uh, lower right-hand corner. How are you doing, Bill? This is my first time saying hello to you in in you know person directly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good to be here. Uh, very excited to uh, reveal my picks. Uh, you know, with SNL's uh, obsession with Marvel these days, this feels like a gathering of the Avengers. You know, we're uh, <laughs> coming together as uh, three different podcasts to uh, to come up with uh, amazing picks. So excited to get into it. Excellent. And to your right is Nicole Robine. How are you doing, Nicole? I'm good. I'm the woman superhero in a sea of of men in the MCU tonight, and I am I'm very happy to to be here. I'm I'm excited. I think that my angle is going to be a little bit a little bit different than everyone else here, and I'm just I'm very curious to see how we all approached this. Very excited. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. So everybody started out with access to 15 votes, and there are, you know, after the big reveal last week that Lauren Michaels has been announced as the inaugural candidate into the SNL Hall of Fame. So he is truly the first class of the hall. Uh, there are 29 names remaining on the ballot. You only have access to 15 votes. Anybody here would have preferred more votes, didn't use the full 15, anywhere in between that? Anybody I would have... Up? Yeah, I would have preferred to vote for people more than once. I think that, you know, there was, yeah, there was people that I loved on this list that I was like, they are shoo-ins for the Hall of Fame. And I was like, I wish I could vote for them twice. Uh, but, you know, I, I figured out a way to narrow down my picks to the end. Wow. Yeah, I, I only went with 10 myself. I felt, uh, I don't know, that was the, the tidiest way to do it, to really, sure. you know. And I felt... Uh, Again, I, I wasn't quite 100% sure how this was all going to go down. So I felt like, you know, my number one uh, vote was going to, that that would have the most amount of, uh, you know, power. And so a, 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 a number 15 vote uh, just seemed like, well, you know, maybe, maybe we don't really need to do this. But now that I have a better idea of how it was going to go, maybe I would have, you know, thrown on a couple that are like, well, Maybe, maybe not this time. <laughs> There's always next year for sure. How about you, Bill? Yeah, I, I'm a big haul kind of guy uh, as far as sports goes. I think as long as they meet the criteria, uh, I have no problem having 15 people going in or 20 people going in. As long as they have that higher standard of SNLness, you know, through 47 years. Um, that being said, an inaugural class is got a little bit more power and a first time ballot is a little bit more than getting in on your second year. So 
Uh, I kept. I, I went to the full fifteen, but I, I can see why uh, some people would have went to ten to uh, keep it kind of tidy. And Nicole, how about you? Well, I went the full fifteen also, and I think for me it's very obvious why. Because I want my opinion to have a a disproportionate amount. I want everyone else's to be less than mine. That's how you have to do it. If, if it's not even, if we're not all 100% going to have Hold on, let me bring up the PDF. <laughs> yeah, well, who else can we vote for, Andrew? I'm adding five more in now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really playing. I'm, I don't think I'm going to piss everyone off as much as I'm acting like. I, I think you'll, you'll, be, you'll be surprised at how I don't piss everybody off the way that you might think. Um, but no, I, I think if, if we're not all on the exact same playing field by the rules of it, and we can choose our own playing field, that I'm going to give myself the advantage. So I'm going all 15. There you go. Just remember, it's not the Hall of Very Good. This is the Hall of Fame. So they got to right. get in. Well, I think we could all make a case for every single person on this list. So if we can eh. choose. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I think there was a podcast that did just such a thing. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> True. Yeah. So I think um, that's, yeah, I'm excited to to get into it, though. But I, I'm going full 15. No, there was never a question that I would do that too. So, gotcha. Well, let's go through just a couple bits of housekeeping. Then, before we get into the main event here, uh, we've talked a little bit about the parameters, and I just wanted to let people know, um, you know, what some of the parameters were if they if they didn't know. Uh, in each of the four categories, we're looking for somebody that has contributed to the legacy of SNL in a way that's deemed significant. By whom? Well, that would be the voter, I suppose, right? And then they get to make their case. Uh, if you're looking at a cast member, they have had to have been a repertory player for at least two seasons, and they have to have been away from the show for at least two seasons. So, for example, Beck Bennett won't be eligible next year, but he'll be eligible the year following. Um, for hosting and musical guests, they had to have hosted at least two times or been a musical guest a minimum of two times and, again, contributed to the legacy. And then for a writer, they must have been on a writer. Uh, they must have been a writer on the show for a minimum of two seasons and, again, contributed to the legacy. Um, lastly, uh, you know, once you cast your vote, basically it's still sort of a crapshoot because your candidate will need to be will need to appear on 66.6% of all ballots cast to, to, to be enshrined in the SNL hall of fame. Hmm. So there's a lot of pressure on you folks is what I'm trying to say. Hmm. So should we get to this show on the road? Let's go. All right. Yeah. Does, is there anybody that wants to go first? We didn't do an official coin toss. Well, Jamie, do you want to read out the entire ballot, by the way, for people who don't know who the eligible yeah, people are? Yeah, let's get all the names out that's, there. That's a great idea. Sure. Okay. I'm going to read them by, by category, alphabetically by category. Uh, in the cast member wing, we have Gilda Radner, Chris Farley, Norm MacDonald, Molly Shannon, Maya Rudolph, Phil Hartman, Eddie Murphy, and Dan Aykroyd, that is in no way alphabetical. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I got about two-thirds down. I'm like, wait. <laughs> Who else did I forget? <laughs> in, in the host category, we have Steve Martin, nominated by John, Melissa McCarthy, Lily Tomlin, John Mulaney, Justin Timberlake, John Goodman, and Emma Stone. 
musical guest, Neil Young, Prince, Paul McCartney, Nirvana, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Miley Cyrus, and Taylor Swift. Not and writers. Oh, right. Yeah. Writers. <laughs> Wait, Michael that O'Donoghue. That wasn't a joke? Tina Fey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Conan O'Brien, The Lonely Island, James Downey, and Franken and Davis. All right. Yeah, beautiful. Should we draw stones? Oh, I say we just uh, let's go clockwise. So we'll keep it in the order of the interesting. We have to make it interesting. I disagree. Let's do something. So we're drawing stones. All right. Rochambeau. Sure. Okay. Are we we all going to put. How do we do this? Um, no, Jamie, we're, you're, we're, you're we're the gonna, curator. You what you're gonna, what you're gonna do you is do you're a gonna, rock paper scissors tournament. You're gonna say the year of. This doesn't seem like earliest, a podcasting. You're you're going to say the year that your earliest cast member or whatever appeared on. You, your okay. earliest nominee appeared on. Seventy five. Are, are we all gonna say not seventy five? Yeah. All right. So we're gonna stick with the main order then. Yeah. Okay. okay all right. Let's go clockwise. Let's do it. Yeah. That's good. So John, I'll take things off. Yeah, you're gonna start okay. things off here. Yeah, so I was thrown for a little bit of a loop as we were starting the podcast because I separated these into categories, but then I was told to rank them according to how you know how badly I feel that they need to be into the Hall of Fame. And I was looking through the list, and there's a couple of people that definitely fit that criteria. But let me start with the one, the only, the legendary Phil Hartman for the Hall of Fame. Uh, this is a guy who's been in over 1,000 sketches in his SNL career. The only other person that can claim that is Keenan Thompson, obviously. Uh, he held the sketch record for uh, from season 17 to season 41. He's also has the single season sketch record. He was in 146 sketches in season 17. Uh, that is a record that I believe will never be broken based on cast size in modern days. So, uh, you know, that is something that is just unbelievable. Uh, statistics aside, you got to talk about, you know, uh, you know what he brought to the show. It, he basically, you know, was representative of the second golden era. If his era, you know, Phil wasn't in that era, obviously many talented people besides him but if he wasn't there um you have to wonder if the show would survive so i think that he is naturally uh, a major contributor to the story of saturday night live and uh, obviously a lot more i could say about phil but he is a shoe-in for me for the hall of fame beautifully said yeah i mean i i, I was gonna go ascending order so starting at the bottom going to the top but i guess it, it does kind of make sense to get phil out of the way first because i feel he's probably on everybody's ballot because it's Phil Hartman, and of course he's going to be one of the first in there, because it's Phil Hartman. We all love him. You can't talk about SNL with, uh, without mentioning just how, how you know perfect uh, Phil was for the show. I mean, it, it's... Uh, I, I, yeah, there, there's, is, he's probably the most perfect cast member ever, you know, uh, just in my, my personal opinion. Uh, and and uh, if Jan Hooks was also on this ballot, I'd be nominating them together because, you know, they're just together, uh, you know, separately, also amazing. But together, my God, what a tour de force. So, yeah. Number one for me with a bullet, Phil Hartman. All right. Bill. Yeah, I mean, I, I can just kind of piggyback on what these guys have already said. I mean, we've we've talked about it plenty of times on the podcast. Uh, 
you know, how much of a glue figure he was. Uh, and to me, the best cast of all time, the 86 to 91, 92 ish, uh, before it kind of got bloated and over, overwrought. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and the impressions he was able to do from Clinton to Reagan to Sinatra, uh, even ones you've forgotten, like Peter Graves and Jimmy the Greek and Donahue, like nobody would know who those people were if they didn't watch an old SNL and see him do this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this easy. Uh, it's not my number one pick, surprisingly, but wow. uh, I think there's a couple more people who are more important to the history of uh, SNL. But, yeah, he is definitely way up there. He was not my number one, but definitely on my my 15. Another thing for me when you talk about the history of the show is when someone who hasn't been around for that long, but is still constantly referenced and referred to, like referring to someone as the glue of the cast could also just be referring to someone as the Phil Hartman of the cast. And so for us to be like using that language today, I think speaks really like, you know, it just speaks volumes. And And when I was going through my list, I was thinking of people like one of the criteria in my head was, did this person have a, a mark on the show for an extended period of time? Certain circumstances kind of withstanding that, like, you know, if somebody died in like tragically early or if they started being a big part of SNL when they were a little bit older, all these different things. Um, and uh, in, in Phil Hartman's case, obviously, like he, he hasn't been with us for a long time, but even despite that for us to always reference him in a way that is like not even about him. It's like about this mold and this template that he set in the, mm. the show is I think that's, that's like huge. So definitely in my very high on my list as well. Oh yeah. Uh, there can't, there can't be a list without Bill Harmon and Jan hooks just to speak to that narrowly missed out. Uh, there was just a recording snafu uh, or oh, Jan no. hooks would have been available this year, but um it's already set up for next season. So beautiful. So there's that. Uh, Andrew, what have you got for, for, for yours, uh, your next pick? All right. So now I'm going to flip down to the bottom of my list. Um, okay. And I, you know, well, uh, <laughs> really messing with the listeners heads here. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's what I, I do. I come here to create confusion on anybody else's <laughs> podcast. Don't invite me. Um, so I yes, down to ten because I don't think it was mentioned. I, I I curated my my fifteen down to ten. I think I might have mentioned that. So uh, the <laughs> I chose uh, the only double team. I think in this list, it's Franken and Davis. Uh, they're from episode one. Um, writing team that I believe shared the same paycheck. Uh, for the first couple years, <laughs> that they had basically had to split the ch- paycheck of one person between the two of them, and then uh, you know slowly just you know rose to prominence. And I mean, I think Franken stopped working on the show in like '95. I think he may have you know pitched some other sketch ideas afterwards. But like Tom Davis stayed on the show till well he left and then came back and i think it was on to like 2004 or something like that even further so like these guys super long tenured uh uh backbones of the show and i'm i'm always intrigued by them because uh i think they they represent you know they represent the best and the worst of snl in a way uh especially old snl and and there's a lot of harrow- harrowing 
fraught sketches uh, that I've gone back and watched. And it's like, yep, this is an Al Franken, Tom Davis bit. I know it. <laughs> I know it for sure. Uh, but then other times, um, you know, it's transcendent. And I, I feel like they're one of the before Jim Downey uh, kind of joined the uh, writing staff. They were the ones most focused on on the uh, political satire. And so some of their earliest sketches are in that realm and, and really kind of building out uh, that side of SNL. And so, uh, yeah, again, you can't talk about SNL without bringing them up at some point. So, yeah, definitely, definitely in the Hall of Fame for me. Yeah, I think they are, you know, early, early architects for sure. And we're still seeing, you know, their their work in, in the show. Bill, did you have uh, Franklin and Davis on your list? I did, and I, I have them in my 10th slot as well. Um, they not only were what they were able to contribute with their writing, but what they did with their own sketch, besides Michael O'Donoghue, who, who will probably come up at some point later, uh, they were the only ones to have their own kind of playground uh, in those early days. And uh, without them, would we have Lonely Island? Would we have PDD? Um, yeah. So it, it's, yeah. It's a really interesting legacy that they left. Um, some of those, as Andrew alludes to, they don't age very well. Um, some of them would probably be problematic in today's uh, era, but... Um, there's no doubting the funny and what they were able to do. Um, and there was nothing like it on TV. So yeah, definitely. How about you, Nicole? Yes. I also had them on the list and the point, it's actually very perfect that Bill went right before me because my point was that to say that they had, again, this mold that please don't destroy the lonely Island. And more specifically, I remember editing a highlight clip for an SNL network podcast in the fall and it was Bill who referenced Franken and Davis very specifically, comparing them to th the Three Sad Virgins energy of, of Please Don't Destroy. And so I remember I was re-watching a Franken and Davis thing because I was like clipping and editing it um, for, for that highlight clip. So that was funny that it was it was you, Bill, who, who made the, the comparison in a really specific way. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's me. I, I think a theme is like for people who it's been a minute. It's like, what was your mark in the moment? And did it like transcend your time and like pave the way for other people to do something of their generation that they wouldn't have even thought to do if you weren't there first. So also on my list in the middle of my list. Yeah. To me, Jamie, I mean, there's absolutely no question that these two belong in the hall of fame. They are, you know, representative of some of the greatest recurring sketches from the first five years of the show. I think if you think back to, uh, you know, a lot of people describe the first five years as counterculture. I think Al Franken certainly on weekend update represents that when he goes out and he talks about his uh, problems with NBC and uh, Fred Silverman and uh, just <laughs> being a, a voice for the show. I mean, this is, you know, like, the cast in certain senses, you know, had that in their sketches, but weren't necessarily up there as an I'm Al Franken. I mean, if you think of Al Franken, you think of the Al Franken decades, you think of seeing his son on the show. I mean, yeah, this is I mean, in a way, Franken steers the history of the show uh, in, in a way like there is a breaking point uh, caused by Al Franken that that leads to where the show goes in season six. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and even in season seven, because they were supposed to host. 
in the kind of rejiggered uh, season six and yeah. the writer's strike happened and they were supposed to host the very next week. If uh, Gail Mathias and Denny Dillon had had a couple more weeks, would they have made it on to season seven? So there's a lot of what ifs in the entire uh, scenario of, of their history. Yeah. And let me just say also for Tom Davis, uh, you know, if I if the SNL studios, if anything ever happens to 30 Rockefeller Center and like it needs to be recreated somewhere else, I would recreate the set with the Tom Davis bunker off <laughs> to the side of the stage because in 1999 there is a great monologue with brendan fraser where they walk over and they find that tom davis has been living in a bunker for a very long time and uh you, <laughs> doing you just, ratter day so, night live yeah so many so many decades so many moments for the two of them uh, really uh they help tell the story of saturday night live absolutely yeah great so so far both picks that have been mentioned have appeared on all four of your ballots. This is very interesting. Bill, will you throw us a curveball here at this point? What is your pick coming up? I, I don't believe I will. I'd be shocked okay. if I am. Um, I'm a big sports <laughs> guy besides being a big SNL guy, so it's going to be hard not to make the comparisons to Baseball Hall of Fame, Football Hall of Fame. You know, Baseball Hall of Fame was created in the 30s and – one of the first people to go in was Babe Ruth because not only for his contributions, but how he had saved baseball after scandals and things like that. So my number one pick is Eddie Murphy because mm. without Eddie Murphy, there's no question. There's no debating. There wouldn't have been a 10th anniversary. There wouldn't have been a 40th anniversary. We would not all be sitting here right now talking about this show. We'd be talking about some other show. Um, he is the entire reason that the show stayed on the air past season six, seven, and so on. Um, and the fact that Jean Dominion didn't even want him on the show. She wanted Robert Townsend, which think, think of the craziness that would have happened if that was the pick instead of Eddie going on to Weekend Update as uh, Raheem abdul Mohammed. So, uh, you know, between all his characters and uh, uh, what he was able to uh, go on and do, obviously his big movie career, the only cast member to ever host while he was uh, on the show. Yeah. Um, that would never happen again, for sure. Um, maybe Melissa Villasenor, but who knows? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry. I love you, not, Melissa. No. no I'm, uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's zero question. This, this is he, He's got to go in right after Lauren and maybe other, uh, a couple other contributors as the most important part of the history of SNL. Wow. Hmm. I mean, I'm, I can't argue that. I do bristle sometimes at the, the whole idea that Eddie Murphy was single-handedly saved the show. Because you also do have to understand that, you know, as foreign as it seems at this point in time, Joe Piscopo was a draw. Like, he was a fairly popular person on the show. And really, I mean, yeah, Eddie kept the show going, but... You know, the, the, the ratings of that time were, were pretty steady. And, you know, so I, they I don't call him Steady Eddie. Yeah, or, or Steady Dick Ebersol, you know, is like I think that they the, the show had really just kind of found a core of, of an audience. And those people were going to be there no matter what. And, you know, but I do love Eddie. He's, he's, he's number, what, four on my list. Um, you know, he, he's amazing. Uh, just, because I love how Eddie is not a 
No, he's a, he was a stand-up and stuff. So, like, he's not a sketch performer. He's not a dude that did sketch before this. So there's a, there's a looseness to him that, uh, especially with under you know Dick Ebersol and stuff, really allows him to 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 put that looseness over to remind you that you're live and that Eddie is indeed doing this in the moment. And uh, it's it's a very you know unexplainable, inexplicable thing to get over to somebody but when you see eddie on the show you do he communicates that energy uh and that's that's so important you know so yeah absolutely i I have him at number four can i just say that i did have questions about eddie murphy going to the hall of fame can i just throw that out there because yeah i I did i'm gonna throw just and he he was on my list he is he's on my ballot so i'm not taking him off there because i do agree eddie murphy totally deserves to get in and he represents uh you know maybe as andrew says also joe piscobo as well uh they represent a pivot point in the history of the show would it have gone off the air at a certain point we don't know we don't live in that universe but uh my thing is, like Bill said, he's a he's a baseball guy. I'm a baseball guy too. When they talk about the sports hall of fames, one of the biggest reasons that you know some people don't get into the hall of fame, a la Barry Bonds, a la Roger Clemens, is because of steroids. And my version of steroids for <laughs> SNL is uh, is hating on the show, the show that gave you your start. And if it wasn't mm. for the fact that he came back and hosted the show a few years ago. Uh, I would have a lot of trouble putting Eddie Murphy on my ballot because this is a guy who, after he left the show, uh, did not want to come back, you know, spoke a lot of bad things about the show that gave you your start. Um, You know, you can't tell the story of SNL without Eddie Murphy, but uh, he really, really turned it around as far as, you know, people, you know, his connection to SNL in the last few years. So uh, I definitely had questions when I put it on my ballot. I was like, okay, does he, would he even want to be in the SNL Hall of Fame? That's, that's what interests me. Hmm. I mean, did I mean? Uh, question. I mean, I know he did take specific umbrage to to David Spade's, you know, of, you know, look, kids, a falling star or whatever joke. And I think when he immediately exited, uh, that there was some trash talking there. But did he really just lean into that the entire time? Like, I, I don't know. I really don't feel that from Eddie that he was trash talking the show. Uh, for so long, especially since he doesn't really give many interviews. So I don't know. Maybe you know more than I do. Well, I was going to say, look, I just want to be clear. Like, I I think he dissociated from the show altogether. And Mm -hmm. it's, Mm -hmm. it's something that I felt like is, is a little, I mean, this is one of your biggest stars ever. And I, and look, I I don't want to put all the blame on Eddie because he was in the era that wasn't the Lauren Michaels era of the show. And oftentimes that's shunned regardless. So there could be some other reasons to this, but I just always felt like if, you know, if you're going to have Eddie Murphy represent SNL uh, and like by the fans, I mean, Eddie has to want to own that as well. And I felt like when he came up for the 40th, he kind of didn't really give a shit. And then it took him a long, like a while to own, you know, his connection to the show. And I'm really excited that now I can say in 2022, I feel very strongly he's gotten there. I really wasn't sure for a while. Okay. Fair yeah. Enough. Granted, when he did, when he when he came back in 2019, he he hinted that his many children um, needed, you know, he he needed to make some more money. So maybe making these movies, appearing <laughs> on SNL, getting some good press in the process. I don't know that his motives were suddenly. I want to have good good relations with with this show that gave me my start again. I, he kind of told us himself that he he just he he needed a lot of money to to fund a lot of children. So. I, I actually, your points for me are very well taken, John. I didn't even think of it that way in terms of the Hall of Fame. I'm definitely the least baseball 
person here, the least. No, you're not. Follower. No. Oh, you, you, you too. Okay, that yeah. makes me feel better because I, I don't follow sports at all. Um, I like playing sports. I just don't follow sports, but I like this the way we talk about sports in the, this like analogous way that we talk about SNL. So, um, but it's it's interesting, like to be a part of something. It's important if you're taking the time to vote someone in and honor them and pay ten thousand dollars for a, a statue or a plaque or whatever it is. I'm not saying we're going to do that, but you know, if we were to do that, <laughs> if we if we were to you know spend ten thousand each on these people in this nice hall of fame that we're that we're curating right now, like why would we want to donate our money to someone who doesn't care? And that is a good yeah. thing to say. It's a good point, John. So I didn't think about that at all. Um, he's in mind too. Uh, like you, you can't not have him be in this list. Uh, maybe if we were doing like five each, maybe he'd probably be in like half of our lists. It's my guess. Um, mm. But mm. yeah, good, interesting stuff though. All right. Well, Nicole, it's your turn to uh, lower yes, minds yes. here. Let's go. I'm excited. And I'm excited because this is the first person in this category that we, we haven't done anyone in the category that I'm going to um, be sharing, except I think pretty much everyone. No, I don't know what I'm saying. This is someone who's in the host category, someone who has meant a lot to every single person who has watched SNL at any juncture at all. And who has like continued to reinvent himself over and over while also just remaining very true to his comedic sensibilities that like from his the start of his career all until now but he's been he's just been in so many different things and had so many different roles but it's always been him it's like he's always bringing himself but he's always like giving 110% and being so present he has had an indelible mark on the show it's been this very symbiotic relationship between him and the show what he has given the show what the show has given him i don't think there's really any host that you can kind of say that for. There are a few that you could compare it to that have maybe been a little, you could say, eh, not so much anymore. Um, but I think this person, it's been pretty much smooth sailing on the whole when you look at it in the grand scheme of things. Um, it's someone who my, who for me will always be someone who he played in a movie when I was like three years old. That this is, that's who he is to me. Um, and it's Steve Martin. Baby Louis C.K. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's my not. favorite. Congrats on your Grammy, Louis C.K. No, it's, it's, it's him. Tom Tom Baker in Cheaper by the Dozen. That was my favorite movie forever. Like growing up, like it was too. so important to me. And he's like, he he's amazing for the for SNL Beyond. It's the perfect relationship between a person and the show. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he's a friend of the show. He's royalty. He is. Yeah, he's just everything. Yeah, and I think, I mean, especially when you consider the episodes he did with the original cast, uh, you're basically looking at, if you take those, God, he probably did like six, five or six with the original cast. Um, you're looking at some uh, of the he best. Did eight. Good Lord, yeah. So he did eight with the original cast. Wow. And I think every single one uh, is like solid to one of the best episodes ever. Like you can make a, a claim for this being the best episode uh, of the show's entire run. And I, I just recently, you know, for the podcast revisited his, his first time hosting early in season two. And just right from jump street, you can see 
just how well he molds into the show. Uh, and I think he's probably one of the first, I think, that 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 kind of like feels like one of well, and Buck. So Buck's before him, but uh he's one of those people that I think a lot of people around my age or whatever didn't grow up with the original cast. You might have grown up with the idea that that Steve Martin was just in the cast, you know, originally. Uh he's just that natural with that era. And um yeah, I, I still love to see him pop up, you know, just a couple months ago. Like, he's still kind of there hanging around the show, and it's always um, it's always fun. And it's always kind of a weird little meta bit uh, with him that I, I, I love. Like, Steve always kind of brings the meta with him, and uh, that does bring joy to my heart. So I have him <laughs> at number five, right in the middle of the list, Steve Martin, right below Eddie Murphy, Steve Martin. Yeah, I agree. And by the way, the listeners of the SNL Hall of Fame would have heard me talk a lot about Steve Martin when I nominated him myself, because there is no question to me, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, hosted three times in a season. Uh, Like you said, Andrew, really, uh, the Steve Martin Blues Brothers episode, I believe, is considered the greatest episode of Saturday Night Live. Um, Certainly make a case for it. Yeah, you can make a case for it. Um, I think that's just, you know, his relationship to the cast itself you know, this is a guy, you know, we talk a lot about the comparisons between Buck Henry and Steve Martin. And the biggest difference, and I'm a huge Buck Henry fan, but the biggest difference between Buck Henry and Steve Martin is uh, if you look at the career of Steve Martin, everyone would would have just assumed, okay, he's going to be so loyal to that original cast that he's never going to want to come back and do things and connect with other people on the show. But this is a guy who crossed through every single era of the show. Like, you can only imagine how much, like, his knowledge that he has about the stories and the moments and the things that he's experienced. What? Now, granted, he did not host during the Ebersol era. I think he pops up in that Eddie Murphy hosted episode. Yeah, yeah to go like, why didn't you ask me to host? Uh, so th- he did miss that, the Gene Dominion uh, 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 Dick Ebersol era. But would still. Be stunned, but would be stunned if he was asked to host at some point. And he poked fun at the fact that he wasn't there. He was, you know, so I feel like that we we go back to that theme also with SNL of like making fun of yourself or making fun of the reputation you have or whatever it may be. So like the fact that he was like, what about me? It's like, you know, he was Mm. still there. And that was his own way, his own through his like self aggrandizing sense of humor, his way of, of supporting that era. To me, that's what it reads. If it were someone else doing that, maybe different, but just his style of comedy that's like the closest that he could get to just being yeah. like, I'm in solidarity with whatever this is. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, everything these guys have already said, of course. I mean, I think the Blues Brothers episode is easily the best episode of all time, top to bottom. Um, we, between, I mean, you have the Strunk Brothers, you have Dancing in the Dark, Theodoric of York, the Nerds, I mean, King Tut. It's all in that one episode. And that's, that. I mean, that's amazing how much was in there. Uh, when I started watching SNL, the summer before I started watching uh, was uh, before season 12. And uh, old SNLs from the first five seasons were running on PBS at the time, which is crazy to think about. Uncut, mm. uh, you know. And so my father would let me watch these. And I definitely thought he was a cast member. I mean, it was pretty, you know, he oh, was yeah. so enmeshed with those with those people. And then he hosted the first season I was watching live. And uh, it was quite a bridge that being able to see how seamlessly he fit in with every era other than the Ebersol, obviously. Um, but he's the only uh, 
hosts from the first five years that I would say you could say that about. I mean, Elliot Gould was only on once or twice as a host. Candace Bergen. Um, Buck yeah. never came back. So I, I don't know that there's anybody else you could say went so many different eras. Yeah. Uh, and I love Candy, but uh, her episodes with that, that golden, you know, their silver era cast are, are all kind of. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he was number two for me uh, just because of his longevity yeah. and, and uh, ability to uh, cover the entire history of the show. Yeah, you, yeah. Can, you just can't tell the story without him, for sure. Yeah, let alone that he held the hosting record, obviously, for a very long time. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about important records in the history of SNL. I mean, this is a, it, all the references to the hosting competitions between first him and Buck Henry, uh, him and Buck Henry even, you know, talking about it, the 15th anniversary of the show, and then to go all the way through the Alec Baldwin uh, years, right. uh, you know, you know <laughs> even, uh, to the point where people get thrown off buildings. I think there was a lot of fun with <laughs> yeah. Steve <laughs> Again, I just, I mean, I love that he's, he's, he's so willing to go meta and you know just comment on the idea of steve martin like you established that in the 70s and then like from there on out it's just a, a some sort of running commentary on the idea of steve martin it's, it's great and, and and one last thing was he in the best greatest cold open ever with the not gonna phone it in tonight yes. i mean oh that's, i don't yeah, i don't know that there's really anything even close. close i mean you yeah. could say it's the most ironic cold open of all time because then <laughs> it does lead into a terrible episode so. correct correct <laughs> <laughs> okay so far we have phil hartman franken and davis eddie murphy and steve martin and they're all on all of your ballots holy yeah, all shoe-ins all right it's gonna get so, interesting yeah, soon say. we're gonna start fighting soon i think yeah. All right, John, what do you got for us? Okay, well, this feels only natural to go from Steve Martin to this next person who led the sketch count for the first five years of the show. And, you know, she is the darling of the original era of Saturday Night Live. I think that Gilda Radner, for me, is a for sure first ballot Hall of Famer. You talk about the characters that she did on Weekend Update between Emily Latella and Roseanne Rosanna Dana. Uh, think about how many characters in all the Weekend Updates, Saturday Night News, whatever there was throughout the years. Um, you know, everybody was trying to be just like Gilda on the show in terms of Gilda's relationship with at the time Chevy Chase uh you know Gilda Radner had this energy about her I believe that she actually elevated Jane Curtin and Lorraine Newman into better cast members because of the way that she was on the show there was just there was nothing like Gilda Radner um let alone the fact that Oh yeah, I Andrew's already ready to go with me, but I'm I'm excited about this. I just think that I just uh, that seems like blasphemy hurled at my my girl Jane Curtin. I don't, I don't know. Oh, I love Jane Curtin. I, I'm just saying, in terms of the actual sketches on the show, I believe that Gilda Radner brought an energy to the first five years that was, um, you know, especially for at the time, you know women on SNL, they, you know, we talk about the trope of having the three women or whatever. I mean, Gilda Radner was the star. And I honestly believe that, uh, you know, most women going into comedy nowadays, whether it's acting or dramatic comedy, whatever it is, any type of role in the arts often reference Gilda Radner as an idol of theirs. You know, she is, she's a legend among, you know, uh, people in the arts. So I think that there's no, no choice, but to put her into the hall of fame. Okay. I'm watching you, though, John. Watch yourself. <laughs> um, yes. So uh, no change here. I also have Gilda um, on my list. Now, those that have heard me talk about the original era of the show, this does with me kind of come with a caveat because I do like Gilda and I can see why people truly 
uh, love her. But we mentioned Emily Latilla. We mentioned Roseanne, Rosanna Dana. Uh, those were done. Like, I mean, I think Emily Latilla was done f- nearly like 20, 25 times within two seasons. Like every other episode would have an Emily Latilla or a Roseanne, Rosanna Dana. And so Gilda Radner kind of, you know, much like Franken and Davis, uh, kind of establishes from the beginning the best and the worst of, of uh, SNL, where, you know, she did have a tendency to drive things into the dirt and then beat it with a dead horse. You know, it's just like it would be so done. Um, but then other times you get other performances from her. And, and other sketches that people don't always bring up, you know, just sort of, you know, just a role in a sketch somewhere else. And she's doing, you know, fantastic work. And uh, I, I do believe you are right that that through her energy, she does kind of force people to 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 elevate, elevate a bit Um and, and kind of, you know, kind of like Eddie Murphy. I am right. No, I, I don't. We've been saying John's right too much in this episode, and I don't like that. Um, so actually, I'm. you know what? You're wrong. I'm taking Gilda Radner off the list. <laughs> Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Screw you, John. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> uh, no, but I do. You know, my thing with Gilda is I don't like her popular characters, but elsewhere, uh, she is incredibly charming and is capable of immensely great work you just don't always see it sometimes but you can't i i felt the guidelines for this where you can't talk about snl without bringing these people up and no doubt you have to bring up gilda so for better or for worse mostly better uh she's she's on the ballot number seven I, I'll push back a little bit on the recurring characters. I don't think in uh, 1975 they could have imagined that we'd be sitting around binging episodes on Peacock or on YouTube. And so I yeah, think it is mostly a pre-VCR era. So yeah, I mean, but you know, not everybody so else was in. That. You want to see, you know, Roseanne, Rosanna Dana, because you haven't seen her in three weeks. Uh, you haven't watched any other episodes because there's no way to watch them. Um, so, but I, I get your point, and and this is my problem with a lot of the '90s uh, characters slash cast members with the crushing these recurring characters into the ground. Um, but to to get back to Gilda, I, I feel like absolutely she's she's number five on my list. Um, there's no way you can talk about the show without her. Um, for what she had to go through, as John alludes to. Um, in a very male dominated, you know, there were very few female writers, let alone, you know, cast members. Uh, Lorraine got lost in the mix. Jane was lucky enough to get uh, update after Chevy left, but Gilda was the star after, especially, I mean, people don't talk about it enough. Season five is there's a lot of bad stuff in it. There's not, there's episodes that are really tough to watch. And she and Billy carried the show after Belushi and Aykroyd left. Like, there's no doubt about it. Uh, she paved the way for everybody who came after her. And, uh, you know, the fact that we have seven or eight uh, female cast members now is partially due to Gilda. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think when with, with this theme, I think is going to keep coming up is like, would we have ever thought back then that we would be analyzing the show the way that we are? Like, who would have thought that 
having a certain character every other episode meant running it into the ground. Maybe like SNL in another world would have been there were episodes or, or there there were seasons where there was a character who was on every episode and maybe that became the norm. Like we, I don't think that they could have really known at the time what running it into the ground meant because they were creating something totally fresh and that had very rarely been even attempted before in this type of like a, a variety kind of show like this, a sketch comedy show. It was like they were, they were building something. It had, it had been done a little, but not a lot. And so I think, it's it's really to bring up like the women especially that came after Gilda. It's like everybody was so inspired by her. Like and it's the fact that like she has been, you know, she she passed a long time ago and then her influence is still so prevalent. It's not just that people reference like the people who were influenced by her. It's like still like it's it's not like a skipping a gener like she's she is referenced by people who like were born 17 years after after she passed and it's it's like how how special is that and and also like jewish women especially like the show hasn't had a ton of jewish women overall and i think in general like talking about like like the funny jewish woman kind of trope in that like gilder just so like embodies what that means and like for me like being a jewish woman it's like that's kind of who like we look up to who my mom looks up to of someone who's just like funny in that very like kind of stereotypical way, but in a way that we're like, we like to kind of claim. And so, yeah, everything, everything that, that you guys said already, um, let me look at what I wrote down this morning, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I, what I had to say, like, just like this, the starlet, like so beloved. And I wish, I wish we could have gotten to see more of her. And oh, the last thing I wanted to say is with this whole running something into the ground thing, like would we have seen Emma Stone do Roseanne, Rosanna Dana at the 40th if we hadn't seen it like a billion times in the 70s? Maybe not. Like it, could, it might not have been so imprinted if she didn't do it a million times. Like sometimes you just have to commit so hard because you don't know the type of history you're creating in the moment. Like you just have to do something and do it and do it. And then like that's how history is made. Can I just say one more thing, Jamie, that yeah, absolutely. if if Gilda Radner was alive today and she walked into the building, uh, that is SNL royalty. Like everyone would like like you're walking into Wimbledon, like everybody would stand up because the queen is there. Like it's that's <laughs> yes. that's how well regarded Gilda Radner is among people who know the show very well. Great point, John. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm okay. just goofing. I'm just goofing. All uh, right. Are we go are we going to get any uh, any any you know controversy? I'll choose uh, one yeah. when I do. No, my no, no, round, no. It goes to me. One. It goes to me. I think I will when it's my I'm turn. I will make controversy happen on my turn. I guarantee okay. it. All right. I'm gonna try here. I'm gonna try here. Now I am not yeah. I, I'm I'm now uh losing the sense of my list. So <laughs> here we go. I am nominating Lily Tomlin, All right. who I feel is is not brought up much no. in terms of the history of the show, but you do need to have her in that conversation because she is the bridge, in a sense. Uh, she was on Laughing. Lauren wrote on Laughing briefly. After that, he produced a couple specials for her. That having that under Lauren's belt is what gave NBC 
the, you know, whatever uh, courage they had in him. I was like, okay, you've at least done these specials with Lily. Uh, and so we can give you this show for, you know, six weeks or whatever. And we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I feel without Lily Tomlin, again, the story doesn't happen. It's it's not there without her. And uh, I don't know if she specifically cho- cho- chose Lorne to uh, produce. And I think he had wrote uh, those specials as well. Uh, he was very involved. And she then, you know, proceeded to host a handful of times in the early uh, run. I think once with Ebersol, and then I think basically never again. Um, but the season two premiere with her is um, is one of my favorites. Personally, I love that episode. There's a great sketch with her and Garrett in there uh, that I really hold dear. And uh, and she was is the, the only Adler one. Dance? No, well, the antler dance is in there. That is true. And she she might be, A, the only one to make the antler dance charming, and uh, B, <laughs> uh, make the Muppets on uh, SNL charming. Because uh, in season one, she also does a thing with Scred, I think. <laughs> and and it's, you know, it's like uh, the, 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 yeah, the land of gorch Muppet stuff on, on SNL never quite worked. But when Lily stepped in, it almost did. And then they, they you know, in that season two premiere, they basically send it off uh, with her as well. And uh, she's the kind of person that I feel does have a bit more Muppet show vibe. And that's not condescending or anything uh, than SNL vibe. But again, I, I feel she definitely needs to be in the conversation. She is, um, you know, done some great work. I, I, I mostly enjoy all of her episodes and especially that season two premiere is, uh, is one of my favorites. And, and she is the bridge from laughing to SNL that, that is, is, it is Lily Tomlin. So that's a really interesting way to, to look at that. Um, that's yeah, that's, uh, that's, that makes a lot of sense to me, you know, thinking about it that way. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Bill, how about you? Yeah, I uh, completely agree with Andrew. I don't know how many times people say that, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, she hopefully more than they agree with John, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, she did. She did choose Lauren to do her specials. Um, She loved his work that she he had been doing in Canada um, with his uh, partner, who I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, Hart Hart Palmerant. Hart, thank you. Hart, yeah, Um, there you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like this is almost a separate category. Uh, you know, if you ever wanted to add another wing for contributors, um, because her hosting gigs are good, um, but she has so much more, uh, reason that the show exists as Andrew said, um, you know, and she's the second woman to ever host. Um, she's one of the few that hosted with both Lauren and Ebersol. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean this. This is a slam dunk for me too. She's number eight for me, but uh, hey, can't, me too. Can't tell the story without her. All right, not on my list. I love Lily Tomlin. Hey, I, we did it finally. We did it. We did it. Somebody's list. I have to say, I'm. I think we're all kind of happy that that happened, even though you don't like to be disagreed with. But in this case, it's good to have a little controversy, <laughs> a little discourse. That we have to have. I'm trying to find it. I know. I know. Sells, and we baby. found it. 
we found it. So I, I love her. I'm like, I've been a huge fan of her for as long as I can remember. And that's kind of the point. It's like, if she has been having such an illustrious career since she was a big presence on SNL, where has the SNL been in that? Like, we haven't seen her enough in this time. She's done such amazing things in her career in all these decades. And like, it's it's kind of like your point about Eddie Murphy, John. It's like, where are you at SNL? Like, you're doing the coolest things ever. It's not like you wanted to not be in comedy or not be in Hollywood anymore. Like, you're, you're doing awesome stuff. Like, Cecily Strong was in the one-woman show that, that was Lily Tomlin's show, which was so cool. I would have loved to see a Lily Tomlin cameo around that time. I know there were several episodes where Cecily wasn't available for, but there were a few either right before she did the show or right after. Like... Like, well, she I did cameo not too terribly long ago, right? Nope. No. I think you're thinking of, you think, what I think you're thinking of is Melissa Villasenor playing Lily Tomlin in the Keegan Michael Key. No, I thought she um, for the the Netflix show that she's in with Jane, Jane Fonda. Right. Okay, I thought yeah, they both so right. popped up in like a pre-tape. Grace sure. and Frankie. Yeah, Grace when and Frankie. Did they? Did that not happen? No, that happened, but that was in, yeah, that was Paul Rudd's episode in 2019. So I guess uh, season 44, okay. so three years ago. You're right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's current. Okay. That's okay. current. But the fact that we all had to be like, wait, I, I think that happened. Did it? Or, or like, you know, um, that's But that was about like, Grace and Frankie. Yeah. Exactly. And it was, it was this very direct promotional aspect of it mm. where it's like, she's been such a star and like, I, I love seeing everything that she's been up to all this time. Um, and it's like, or even like promoting Cecily's one woman show, it's kind of self-promotion in, in a sense, but it's, it's far removed enough from self-promo that like, that would have just been a really sentimental thing. Like if it were Steve Martin and some equivalent, Steve Martin would have been there. Like imagine if Steve Martin did some one man show and then like a, a couple decades later, someone else did the same show and it, that someone else was an SNL cast member, a current SNL cast member, Steve Martin would cameo. Like, no question. We're, I think okay. I speak for everybody here. So that's why she's not on my list. It's nothing against her. I love her. But, you know, you got you to gotta cut no, them that's somewhere. That's totally fair. Yeah, no, that's, Nicole, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Nicole, she's not on my list either. And oh, wow. I, yeah, so I was, I was saving that because I actually think, again, like when we talked about the Hall of Very Good, like she's a very good SNL host. Uh, she's only hosted three times. I don't believe that she is a oh first goodness. ballot yeah, she's. Huh. She, I don't believe she's a first ballot SNL Hall of Famer. I mean, if you want to talk about her presence and her contributions to the show, obviously friends with the a lot of you know the original creators, producers, executives that were you know producing the show um, and involved in the creation of the show, laughing the specials, all that stuff. But I can't count that into my equation as far as me evaluating Saturday Night Live. I look at the you know for me when I'm evaluating the Hall of Fame of SNL, it starts with October 11th, 1975, and it goes until the present. And I that's what I think about when I'm evaluating the the structure of the show and the institution of the show. And uh, for me, it's, I, I can look at Lily Thomas three episodes. I think she is a fantastic part. If we're going to talk about the hall of fame of the first five seasons, I think there is no question that Lily Tomlin is a hall of famer from the first five seasons. And she may eventually get into this hall of fame, but I don't think she is a first ballot hall of famer. Mm. I'll remind well, you of that when you vote for Taylor Swift in a little while. <laughs> okay. Got it. Mm. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you that by our numbers right now, she wouldn't, she wouldn't make it because she's on 50% of the ballots that we've been revealed. I think John and I, we forget, we forget how often we agree because just like proportionally the amount that we communicate, like there are disagreements, but I think we agree most of the time. (laughs) Yeah. I forget that, but our, our agreement rate is very high. So I'm pleased that we're in agreement here. 
Yeah. Advanced statistics in the SNL Hall of Fame, the agreement percentage is high between Nicole and John. <laughs> yes. Bill. For now. What have you got in terms of uh, uh, a pick? I'll be interested to see if uh, everybody has him on their list. But I, I think, again, this is one of those situations where you can't tell the story of the show without him. Uh, one of the most controversial figures in the history of SNL. Uh, fired probably six times. Um, Michael O'Donohue, uh, writer extraordinaire. Uh, one of the things about him, and it's hard to imagine, I mean, even of someone of my advanced age that, uh, you know, in the world of the seventies where, you know, there was three channels and, you know, happy days and the Brady bunch and, you know, SNL was counter counterculture to begin with. And then when O'Donohue would be on or write something, it completely went in another direction. I mean, he, uh, the the list of things that he wrote that uh, changed uh, the show, you know, between uh, the Norman Bates School of Management and the Mike Douglas impressions when he would come out on stage and pretend to plunge steel needles into his <laughs> eyes and collapse onto the stage. Uh, the Exorcist 2 with Richard Pryor, which was uh, amazing. Godfather Group Therapy. Mm. Um, and then he came back and, and uh, tried to do it with Ebersol and got fired by Christmas, um, you know. Famously, uh, Catherine O'Hara quit before she ever appeared on the show because of him. Um, but yeah, uh, she disputes that. I will say she, she disputes, disputes that. Okay. That. Yeah. Okay. Fair. She ba she said she basically like Ebersol put out a call to everybody in SNL, and she just kind of walked around and went, "I don't want none of this," and it had nothing to do <laughs> with Michael O'Donoghue. Okay. It just had to do with everything. So. Right. Uh, she did dispute that later. It's like, no, yeah. it wasn't Michael. I didn't care. It was just I didn't want to step into that. She, yeah, she saw we the sinking Moira pirate Rose. Ship. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, th this is a darkness that I think uh, most of us would like them to go for today in the show that they often avoid. Uh, a few weeks ago, they they did a funeral sketch where they threw a body over the. Uh, the uh, side of a mountain and it looked like it was really going to go somewhere. And then it just kind of petered out and you're like, Oh, if O'Donoghue had written it, I mean, it would have been faces coming off and, you know, so <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like he is very important to the show and uh, yeah, he's, he's on my list. He's not on it. my list. And for me, the writing category was the one I spent the most time thinking about because not to spoil the rest of my picks, but there were people on my list who, for writers who I, I didn't make my cut because they both because they were so famous, like in the context of SNL, and then also like some people who maybe were so famous outside of it. And and I think for writers, it's like for for one second, I was like maybe it's it's on us to like when we say oh so and so should have been talked about more after they died in the in the decades following, like outside of just the SNL community, these names should have been more recognizable. Um, and then I'm like, okay, I think that the people, these, this circle of people, it's like the, on, the it's on us to, to make that happen. And, and for these names to be more well-known outside of SNL, outside of just like core comedy people. Um, but Michael O'Donoghue is someone who I feel like I only, and I, I think I'm the youngest person on, on this call. Um, unless any, I, I, I think, and I, like, he's not someone that I was familiar with until my like understanding of SNL and my research like went to another level. It was like when I was like a typical average viewer, consumer of it, of my like age demographic, even when I was looking into 
like old episodes and old eras, it took like so much of the research and the thinking about it for for him to like be part of the conversation that I had in my head. And so that's why I'm really I really am struggling with the writing category. And that, that's mm. I'm going to bring this up every time we talk about a writer, because on one hand, it's they're not famous enough to make the cut. But the, the flip side of that is it's on us to make them famous enough. It's on these types of conversations to make them famous enough. So that's where I struggle. But um, writers didn't fare very well on my list, including writers who are extremely famous outside of SNL. And for these reasons, they it was hard to be a writer on my list and, and make the cut, which I don't like that. But that's kind of how it played out for me. Interesting. Uh, yeah, see, and I, you know, I, I feel that there's many ways that, that people approach uh, SNL and I'm, I'm a writer focused, uh, viewer of the show. I, I, I very much tune into the structure and form and, and, and the writing of the show. And so Michael is definitely on my list at number three. Um, because <laughs> like, I, I do think that he was, he's, he established the tone of the show uh, more or less, as the head writer uh, from you know those first three seasons, and and I think a lot of people, especially you know, folks that were there from the beginning, where they go like, where where is this again? Uh, you know, it, the show so it doesn't take the wild swings that it once did, and mostly the show never did when michael wasn't there <laughs> that is the thing but i think it sticks in people's heads so much those first three years and and the insanity the absolute like like bill said where he's like there's only three networks and you are seeing michael o'donohue material on on one of those networks and you've never unless you were reading lampoon or something where again his stuff in like he would be in lampoon and be one of the most scathing uh, parts of of in damning parts of that 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 magazine, and so um, like Michael is both an ideal and something the show can never recapture in a way. Like he is is just a a an idea, a concept that you know you can't really bring back. And so whenever you know Dick Ebersol tried to bring him back in season seven of like, all right, we're gonna really hit with the the hardcores. They're gonna I, I want to get Andrew Dick watching again. I'm gonna bring Michael O'Donohue back. And then Michael's like, I I want to burn this place to the ground. Here's Nick the knock and uh you know just all this crazy shit. And Dick's like, well have a good Christmas. I'll don't come back. Um and it is a sort of untenable situation with him. You can't you can't have somebody that fiery and that uh, I don't want to I don't want to label him insane, but you know, just like that, just like Michael was a a, a wild man, and yeah. you really can't uh, always have that in the the mixture but i do always feel that the the show does want a a slightly lesser version of michael in the mix like he is the the michael o'donohue uh ingredient is always part of the gumbo but but just lessened 
you know, throughout the years of, of we can't have Michael again, but we do need somebody out there taking the wildest swings uh, that they possibly can. And I just, I just love that the man runs the gamut from the antler dance to Nick the knock and like, and you know, like the, the songs he wrote for Chris, he wrote like one of his songs is a Dolly Parton song. Like Dolly Parton sung one of Michael O'Donoghue's songs. Like he he's, he's a man that contains multitudes. And uh, again, you cannot talk about SNL without him. So number three for me, uh, Michael O'Donoghue just love to talk about him. Fascinating presence. He's definitely on my list. Uh, I agree. I think so instrumental in, sorry, Nicole, but I think so instrumental in the creation of the show. I agree with Andrew in this case about the tone of the show. Disagreement of the night. Yeah, I I just would have to say, like, I think Michael O'Donoghue would would not watch SNL if he was around now. I don't think he would like it. I think he would actively avoid it uh, because, yeah. (laughs) I mean, he spent more than Eddie Murphy. Michael spent more time trashing SNL while he was on the show. Like, that's why he got fired in season, what? 11 or whatever like hired for the first three shows and yeah. then went out and it's like yeah i didn't write that show that was mostly jim downey and al franken and tom davis i hated all of it and lauren was like get out of here man now the i don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth because you are right about the eddie murphy versus michael o'donohue point that i made earlier but i what i would say is i have to give a little bit of an exception here to michael o'donohue naturally who was uh, originally hired as a cast member uh, was in the original sketch on the show, the Wolverine yeah, sketch. Very first. Yeah. yeah. The very first sketch. I mean, if you like uh, That's I mean, the how first many... image you see is goddamn Michael O'Donoghue. Right. And like and you know, Nicole mentioned about all the the SNL casuals who might not know who Michael O'Donoghue is. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, younger people, SNL casuals who had just seen the first sketch of SNL over and over again. I believe if you walked into the SNL Hall of Fame, this was an actual place. I believe the first sketch, the Wolverine sketch, would be playing on a loop as you're walking into the Hall of Fame. So for me, it's like there is absolutely no question O'Donoghue is there, let alone the fact, you know, the tone and the sketches that he wrote there. Um, it was dangerous. We always look for danger in our cast members and and our writers. And um, I think that there is, like like Andrew said, uh, SNL is always trying to get a little bit of O'Donoghue back onto the show. And it's it's become a very difficult thing for them to find in modern day culture. Yeah, I would agree. I, I would agree. Uh, definitely an architect, early architect for sure. And uh, I, I hadn't really put together that, you know, that is the first image you see is Michael frickin' O'Donoghue. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's, that says a lot. All right, Nicole. So, uh, what have you got for us? Okay. So because I have the highest, uh, rejection rate so far, I've, I've rejected <laughs> two out of what, two out of five or six so far. I I am going to even it out. I expect some rejections on mine, but it's a, this is a different angle. This is this is this is someone who you can tell the story of SNL without a hundred percent. But can you tell their story without SNL? No, not really. And it's Nirvana. Nirvana. I think mm. that the the timing. It was also full credit to, to Thomas on on the Hall of Fame po- podcast when he made his case for it. I I re-listened to it today. And I was very, very inspired. And it's it's the the story of Nirvana and SNL. It's this very like like kismet kind of thing where it's like it was it the chicken or the egg? Like was Nirvana 
the biggest band ever and then SNL was like we have to get the biggest band ever or did SNL have them on and then all of a sudden Nirvana was the biggest band ever and it's still like you can't even quite say which one it is it's like you can't um but it was just this very like beautiful moment in time that like that Nirvana they they didn't have a lot of time it's like they 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 were on and they made these appearances and then like soon after they couldn't anymore and and these really tragic things happened and I just think that it's it's an example I'm going to refer to to some more detailed notes that I took because I want to really sell this um I do expect that if you know if, if if I don't convince everyone that's okay because this this is a different angle it's not can you tell SNL the story w- without somebody this this is like what has SNL done for someone else for whether a cast member a writer a musical guest a host like how mm. is SNL a part of the story of a band that is so iconic and you can really make the case for if they had never had their SNL appearances more specifically their first SNL appearance Hmm. Would we be talking about them the way we are today? Would they have had that that catalyst to explode? And also, if they hadn't had that, maybe like their their lives would have been different, and they might have like because they they weren't gonna adjust to fame very well. Some better than others, like Kurt Cobain. I think he wasn't ready to like handle that at the time. Um, but maybe that was just the destiny that that was taking over. That was like you are going to have this indelible mark on on rock and on people and on culture and whether you're ready or not. And that was just like, yeah. So I, I re-listened to that and I, I love Nirvana and I was just, I was very touched by the, the angle. So big credit to Thomas for a lot of my arguments on this one. I, um, yeah, it goes against a lot of the, the points that I make and the, the, the cases that I, I make for most people on my list. But I, I think that like in any hall of fame you have to break the rules sometimes and of course nirvana broke a lot of traditions and rules that we think of with like what it means to be famous what it means to be a celebrity whatever else absolutely I, I mean i think it's i think it's really interesting that they were on the bare minimum number of times that you could be on to to qualify which is two but they burned so fucking bright <laughs> like you know during during those uh 30 odd months you know between appearances or whatever um so yeah i i I, there is a definite argument to be made for that did anybody else have nirvana on on their list i did not yeah sadly no and and this is coming from the guy who is constantly screaming from the tops of buildings about the music on snl i don't have a single musical guest in my list uh, which feels wrong, but also, you know, it, it does feel like it's hard to, you know, I guess we've all come with this with, with certain ways of, of viewing uh, these lists. And, you know, I, I feel that there's there's a scant few uh, musical guests that really hold a, a huge factor in the history of SNL. But Nicole is is not wrong, and if I could have a number eleven, if I made a num- number eleven and number twelve, they would have been musical guests, and they would have been uh, one of them would have been Nirvana because uh, we, we we covered the uh, first episode they were on, and I forget the guy's name that that um, you know, and that's all part of it is like you forget who is even the host of the first episode. Uh, Rob that, Morrow. That, yes, Rob Morrow. 
uh, you know, kind of lost to time him. Uh, Nirvana, no way. And it was interesting to see that they were basically on SNL, like, I mean, Lord, a month, maybe possibly two months after Smells Like Teen Spirit uh, had dropped. And so it was one of the few times that I feel like SNL uh, was truly on the cusp of like, this is a big thing. This is happening right now. And as you say, it's it's almost hard to say, like, you know, were they just uh, just part of the, the 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 ride up or was it at SNL that then just, poof, you know, escalated it that much more? It's hard to say, but it was all part of a movement. And then they came back for what? Charles Barkley, I think, uh, was. Yeah. It was yeah. Season premiere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And just carried along with that. Uh, and then the Foo Fighters, you know, would also uh, so the, the whole Nirvana legacy would would carry down through the uh, the show more than almost any other musical guest beyond Paul Simon, I feel. Um, and so it, had I gone 15, uh, Nirvana definitely would have been on here on my my own particular list. But I'm going to say I did not vote them in but um i do not disagree nicole a very good statement about it yeah look and uh nothing against nirvana who i think uh, obviously very impactful for a lot of people in terms of their music uh you know choices and and you know what what nirvana means to them but uh, i don't think nirvana is a hall of fame uh, band on snl i don't think that they would get into you know the second or third or fourth year ballot honestly i think that uh oh. dave grohl himself is a no-brainer snl hall of famer yeah that's Nirvana. where it becomes murky is yeah. that it does establish it, yeah. it's the beginning of that establishment of, of yeah. the legacy for sure dave so grohl it's like a, a lily tomlin nirvana is the the lily tomlin of uh <laughs> Yeah, and then look, we're talking about SNL. So, I mean, like, look, uh, Dave Roll, Pat Smear, uh, both in Nirvana, both in the Foo Fighters, uh, I could argue that they are Hall of Famers if we were going to make that argument, but I don't think that's what we're doing today. Uh, Dave Roll, also part of them, Crooked Vultures. So, um, I mean, that's, oh, you know. Oh, God, like, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, for me, Dave Roll is like a no-brainer, absolute Hall of Famer, but as far as the band Nirvana itself, I was, uh, you know, I, I do have a musical guest that I am going to nominate at some point in the show, if not if somebody else does it, but I was the Hall artist on the musical guest category because uh, it is to me a smaller portion of snl as a whole it's definitely important but you have to really have some major stats for me to be able to qualify into the yeah. hall of fame as a musical guest yeah wow yeah i, I completely agree, agree with john um you know that this was the hardest category for me because it's so hard to judge, you know, even great bands, great musicians who come on the show once or twice, what what impact did they make on the show? You know, is it, you know, a 10 minute Taylor Swift song? Is it this? Is it that? I but as far as moments, musical moments in the show, this would be top three of all time as far as within the zeitgeist. Yeah. Uh, the only one I'd put close to it was the Simon and Garfunkel reunion in the uh, right. first couple of seasons. But mm. th this is right up there. I mean, and the song was out first. MTV had been playing it nonstop, probably since about a month or two before. Yeah. But, um, but still, yeah, for I mean, SNL, this... they grabbed on 
real quick. Yes, and you that was see that today, and you didn't yeah. really see that a lot any other time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you see something like that today, it's a very established artist. It's a Bruce Springsteen or a Bono or a you know a Prince, where you know they've already kind of made their way in the world as far as musically. So yeah. It, not a bad pick, but not in my list. Or they had like mm. a TikTok go viral. Like Jack Harlow was on SNL a year ago and people didn't really know who he was. And now he's so famous. Um, and so that's like the equivalent now. It's like if you go fa- if you go viral somewhere, then that's how you could be famous. And then that's the only reason. But yeah, that's that's fair. I, I hold I, 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 I honored what I what I said. And I, I do think it, it would be more of like a if we could do some caveats with like Dave Grohl and, and thinking of him in a different way. But mm. I, yeah, I stand by what yeah. I said though. Yeah. If it was just Dave, you know, in a sense, then I would, yeah, 100% agree. But yeah, Nirvana itself is like, ah. so. Well, I stand, yeah, I stand by, I, I stand by the pick. I think it's a, I think it's a good one. John, what have you got for us here? And uh, this is your third pick. Yeah, well, let me transition uh, from Nirvana over to my musical guest pick that oh, I perfect. would like to do, because I, I think this is a great place to go to this. And I believe that there was a musical guest on this list that has to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and that would be Sir Paul McCartney. I think that, you know, like I said, we're talking about the story of SNL. One of the most important moments in the first season is Lauren Michaels offering the Beatles to come onto the show. I know that the <laughs> yes. Beatles themselves were not nominated because they never appeared as the Beatles, but Paul McCartney mm-hmm. himself shows up in one of the most important moments in the show's history uh, during the, you know, really at the end of the first five years. Paul yeah. McCartney is a musical guest on the show. And uh, that is a penultimate episode, I think. He's, he's yeah. right at the end. Yeah, with Steve Martin. With Wings. He, uh, with, with Linda McCartney, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Yes, and uh, it just really bookends this incredible story of the first five years. If SNL never existed after the first five years, you could start it off with Lauren Michaels inviting the Beatles to come onto the show and Paul McCartney finally performing there. But the story never ended there. Paul McCartney would come back time after time. I mean, he was he was a musical guest three other times. He would cameo a few other times, but mm-hmm. he was always seen as a big friend of the show. And, you know, as far as names go in music, I mean, every single generation that is alive today knows of Paul McCartney and that is why he was so important to have on the show because you had your your baby boomers all the way to your Gen Z whenever they would see Paul McCartney show up they knew it was a big deal and to me he, him showing up at the end of the fifth season uh, it was the final stamp on the show that they deserve to have big stars on their show it's what makes Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live, the fact that Paul McCartney would perform on the show. And that is why, to me, he is definitely a Hall of Famer. This was the one for me that was in the list, and then I counted it, and it was 11. And I was like, I got to make this a tidy, tw- a tidy 10. And so I, I, I cut out Paul because I saw, I was like, man, it was only four performances, though. Like, uh, like that, that, I don't know. I I. I I wasn't thinking hard enough of of how to really quantify the musical guests in this Hall of Fame and and no doubt you're you're completely correct. I mean that that having Paul in that pen, pen, ugh, penultimate season 5 episode is very much the the end of that arc of the Beatles arc in a way of uh you know we we start with the check we get 
George Harrison in with with Eric Idle and stuff. And we get the Ruddles and then so we get the parody stuff. And then we finally land with with Paul and then he'd come back basically like once every decade or so and 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 small cameos uh within uh each each decade. Um and and so yes, I mean if I if I had a, an 11 here, Paul would have been it. Um and maybe it's just like maybe I can add it now. I don't know. Like nope, I, I no, really no 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 no. Why? Well, that's what we're here for. Because that's what you plan. Because it's that's what you planned. Nicole, no, I, 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 wasn't, I was hard to think about how. Okay, I mean, Jamie, I've been, Jamie, I've been one over. I want Jamie to decide. Jamie, I want Nicole. You to why are you stopping me convincing Andrew Dick of something? <laughs> oh, that's right. We can't alone. Alone. Want to be right. So this yeah, no, it's out. And it's I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. No, Jamie, you make the rules. Yeah. Ultimately, he gets to cast. Uh, he gets to cast a ballot. You know, like, I do Google, still have just five. Very lonely. I'm feeling. So I have lonely. five blank spaces, um, but this it. would make John right, and I can't have that. No, come so on, do it for I'm... Paul. Do it for Paul. <laughs> and he is my favorite Beatle. <laughs> he is my favorite Beatle, and you know, I do think having uh, a, a thing that people I feel kind of forget about the Beatles is that they were big comedy nerds. Uh, and so that even that in itself, having George, having Paul, um, on the show, that that it in and of itself is is sort of a blessing of these uh, the highest profile, uh, low level comedy nerds, uh, the Beatles, <laughs> and so yeah, I'm gonna go. I, I agree. Paul's got to be on there. I, I chopped him off to make a ten, but. Um, that that also means I am now adding my twelve. Uh, if th- that's what we're doing, I'm now adding a person to my list, and it's happening. Okay. Wow! Yeah, that's happening live on the show. So, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't celebrate. <laughs> I need to, to agree with John, but here we are. And I hate Sorry, feeling so cool lonely. Again, and, and how how do I have fifteen when you guys have ten, and I keep on being the only one who rejects things? I don't understand. We'll get there. We'll figure it out. Okay, Bill, are you are <laughs> you with ahead, me Bill. or are you with oh, them? I am with them. Sorry, Nicole. Um, okay. I, the musical guest, again, was so hard. But one of the things I looked at besides his iconicness is what songs did they play? He played Coming Up. He played Hey Jude, Jet, Band on the Run, Day in the Life, Get Back. I mean, Wonderful Christmas Time. Wonderful Christmas Time. Right? Um, <laughs> Which, hey, you know. And... Talk about one of the biggest what ifs in history. Uh, John said this before he passed, and then Paul confirmed it years later that they were sitting a mile away in John's apartment when Lauren put the check on TV and said, Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a kick if we went down to the studio and, and played a couple songs, even if it was just the two of us? And they decided against it at the last second. Mm. Could you imagine them walking into the show wow. at 12 30 at night on this first season of Saturday Night Live and, you know, playing three Beatles songs and then walking back out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, this this is an easy one for me. And, of course, his, his sketch appearances were great, too. Uh, you know, the Farley show appearance one was was very, very oh. funny. 
So, right. oh, oh true, yeah. yeah, I didn't even think. Of, yeah, there wasn't even taking. Remember, that remember when you were in the Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. maybe, maybe that's what. Maybe if they had said yes in that moment, then they would be on my list too. But my my point here, and I, I'm truly like, I I really, if I could have had my way, would have probably put like 19 or 20 on here, not 15. So I am struggling. Oh, wow. The thing here, and this is just me again, just trying to like trim like a nice steak that doesn't even have a lot of fat on it is like how much of that was the idea of the Beatles and the idea of like a Lauren conception and a team internal thing of like, Oh, how iconic would this thing be? Like it wasn't as much them doing something. It was them like being talked about in terms of their, how iconic they were and how famous they were with that whole bit that we're talking about of like the check and everything. So that is something to think about is it's like, you could be so famous and have such a memorable moment on SNL, but if it's not you making the moment, if it wasn't your idea or your execution or, and you were sitting a mile away and you said, haha, no, then like that doesn't put you in the hall of fame. That kind of makes you not a loser or a coward, but um, <laughs> not that far from it. Wow! Wow! Wait, I wait, mean, wait! Sort of, it does wait, put you in the Hall of Fame if you're Paul McCartney. Okay, <laughs> yeah, wait, 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 hold on. We're not loser and coward. We're not, not nominating not... John Lennon because he never yeah. was on SNL. We're nominating Paul McCartney because he I know, was. I know. I'm truly like the steak doesn't have any fat on it. I'm just doing my best. I had, to, I had to have energy. Some we're getting from Nicole tonight, yeah. Paul. If you're listening, it's just Nicole saying. It's just me. <laughs> oh, I'm yes, I, sir, sir Paul McCartney. I'm I'm a fan of yours. I really am. But I just I had to make decisions here. This was very hard. Wow. Um, yeah, and I have and she wanted so many more. If if she had twenty, she would do it. You would still not be on the list. You loser yeah. and you coward. Yeah, I'm a fan. Oh, all the respect. I all the respect. <laughs> Truly, nothing wow. but nothing but respect. I just I have I respect a few people a little more than I respect you. That's all. Wow. Well, well, well. <laughs> all right, Andrew, you can stop chomping that bit now. All right, uh, it's now. time to talk about my boy. Uh, Jim Downey, number two for me, Phil Hartman, Jim Downey. Um, I, I, again, I feel a, a slightly divisive figure in the show's history because he just lasted so long. And so if you look at the tail end of, of Jim's run where he is just providing cold opens and, and faxing them from his cabin in the woods and, and nowhere uh, and, and, you know, giving no direction to, to players of how to do this, you know, it's like the 2000s run of Jim Downey is not great, but if you go back to his original run and, and, you know, with, with the late eighties cast, uh, and his time as a head writer and just as a writer himself, Jim Downey, I feel is the person that maintains the most amount of what I want to see on the show. Like Jim's vision of the show, it, uh, very much matches mine. And he has a good sense of variety and, and scene development and, and character. And, and as a head writer, you know, would, would love to do these big, uh, epic sketches where he gets everybody in the cast and the writers all together to pitch in on the sketch. And so I feel that's a very, you know, good thing for a head writer to do is to, to have this very collaborative sketch for the week that everybody gets to kind of have their own piece 
uh, in there as a part of it. And, and we'll figure it out. We'll figure out how to put that in there. And then Jim also loved that because, you know, uh, again, thinking as, as a head writer producer is like, Lauren's not going to cut this, this 15 minute sketch that we've already spent so much time on. Uh, it's not going to be cut. So you, you, you know, it's like, I, I love, again, my, my writerly brain, my, my editor, editorly brain, uh, of just thinking is like, yeah, Jim got, he got it. He knew, he knew how to do it. And I, I just love his dryness. I love the sketches where Jim appears because there's no better source of delivery of Jim's lines than Jim himself. Um, and so there is that like nobody can actually sell Jim's jokes better than him. Uh, so it's always a joy when he pops up. Um, but yeah, just one of my favorites. I, I love his voice too. Much like Michael O'Donoghue, uh, Jim and Michael have very, silky smooth voices that i love to hear pop up on intros to sketches or, or or whatever like just recently covering the bill murray percy sledge sketch where they do the uh the hercules sketch uh the whole italian takeoff thing and it's it's jim downey as as bill murray as hercules and i just i that's I, I love i love jim he's one of my favorites uh not the most not the best end to his tenure, but but certainly I feel uh, the that 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 is the echelon. That is the the top tier uh, of of SNL writers that you want to be in. You want to be in the Jim Downey tier because he could do it all. He could do dumb Italian Hercules takeoffs. He could do political material. Uh, he could do it. Like, he could do whatever. Like there's so many times where he just walked in and like, I have the stupidest idea and we are going <laughs> to do it. Like, it's just like, here's the dumbest thing I could think of. Let's go. And uh, all three of those things I feel is SNL in a way. Um, yeah. So Jim, love him. Nice pick. Yeah, uh, absolutely. An echelon pick. Bill, is he on your list? He is not. What? Uh, he's not on the I, list. Whoa! To, to quote a famous musician, it's better to burn out than to fade away. Uh, his last eight, nine years were so unbearably terrible. And that, I can't disagree really, with that. that really sours him for me. Um, when I started watching the show, and I mean, I was starting to get into politics and SNL was a big part of that, you know, uh, the, the debates they would do and, and bringing Dan Aykroyd back on as Bob Dole. And, uh, you know, th these were huge, huge moments. And then, you know, all the way into the 90s and the Carvey uh, and uh, Hartman stuff, um, even going all the way to Gore Bush with with Strategery and Lockbox, you know, that was Downey. Mm -hmm. um, if he had left then, yeah. if he had only left then, if he had left when he had gotten fired from being Norm's Weekend Update writer. Um, but he soured his reputation too much for me. It's not just one or two bad sketches. Oh. I'm not saying he never gets in. I just don't think he goes in on the first ballot for me. Oh my God. That yeah. hurts. Bill. That, that hurts this, so hard. This one cut the most for me. Like this, this was oh, a really, really I just difficult. ranted for 20 minutes. You're going to do this to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, we know. We know you did. Um, well, he's on my list. If that means anything. And Thank I you. think. Thank that you, Nicole. 
if that means anything, even though I have been, my, 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 my rate, my, my things are looking very different than everyone else's, it seems, but um, he's definitely on my list. And, and we're, if I, like thinking, comparing him to Michael O'Donoghue, it's like, I think this, I think is a hot take. And I, I don't, I'm curious what you guys think, but like, I think that like the Michael O'Donnell or the, the Jim Downies are actually in the grand scheme of the universe in the world and forever and centuries and millennium. Like, I think that the Jim Downies are harder to find and more of like, like a, a, a diamond in the rough or whatever than like the mm-hmm. Michael O'Donoghue's. Yeah. I think it's, e- it's easier to, to find someone who can like, like shake things up and be so controversial and so like out there like that than it is to find the people who can like, hold down the fort for a really extended period of time over mm. several years. Like that is just like, that's more the secret sauce of SNL. It's like you underneath all the people who feel so controversial and out there and like risky and granted, of course, Jim Downey has seemed like that at certain points too. But like beneath all of that, Jim Downey was like holding it down for a really long time. And like that in entertainment and especially like SNL in its first, like, you know, like kind of the first, like half of the show before like the turn of the, the century when like it was a little bit less openly about like you know the, the the crazy cocaine like bursts of like how how do we even function without cocaine and without being dysfunctional it's like in that chaotic time like having those people those those voices and presences that were like there and like making things happen was i think very very hard to come by and so that's that's really what puts him on my list is like that that's that's the that's the the thing for me and oh particularly over like a michael o'donohue hmm. yeah that's that's interesting i mean i think for me uh i i actually would agree with that take nicole uh, i think jim downies are very hard to find i think that uh at least in his prime for sure you know that's what snl would would love to be i think it is the pinnacle of the writing on saturday night live is what jim downey could do with the show uh both political and non-political i mean when i actually when i grew up and i was watching the show i mean jim downey was the uh this week on c-span guy but i yeah. you know i ended up learning a lot a lot more about him you know through my rewatch and uh, again that voice yeah yeah and there was nothing like it and i think that um you know his i think every single writer on the show looks at Jim Downey as the pinnacle of a writer on the show, the same way that every single host on the show looks at Steve Martin as the pinnacle of hosts. So I think that, you know, as the first ballot, we want to vote in, you know, leaders of each of these categories. And I think that for me, Jim Downey would be like top of the list of the writing category. Yeah, no argument for me. Well, good. Uh, So it's only Bill. What's wrong with you, Bill? (laughs) <laughs> this was a stunner yeah that that was that was shocking i've yeah very shocked gotta mix it up a little bit so I now this is why i'm nominating hoobastank um <laughs> 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 now uh my, my next pick uh will be uh one of the greatest hosts of all time just a slight tick underneath steve martin and buck henry uh hosted 11 seasons in a row uh, his season 15 uh, first appearance was an all-time classic where he's in Wayne's World and the anal retentive chef and uh, referee Pittman show. Um, <laughs> has one of the best monologues of all time where he's promising it's not a repeat, that he's just hosted nine years in a row. Um, going with John Goodman uh, as uh, Slam really Dunk nice. for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah this was Anybody a tricky one for me uh, personally. I love John and 
I, I, it's one, it's not on my list. And it, it was, it was a tricky cut. It was a very tricky cut for me because I feel like <sighs> there is a sense like John is one of those hosts that they bring in every, uh, they would bring in every year and then they would kind of run through stuff that got cut from previous episodes and John would, and, and obviously there'd be stuff written for John specifically, of course. Uh, but it did seem like they were very sturdy, trusty episodes that were never the best of the season. Uh, but, but John was always there, always game. And, um, you know, it it was very it was it was I, I I felt a bit of sadness when I I I deleted him from my list, and I was like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, uh, his episodes simply just don't. When you you get granular with them, uh, they don't hold up as much. But his persistence is what sticks out in your mind, and you can most definitely make a best of John Goodman you know, on, on SNL, but any, if you watch to sit down and watch a specific episode, you might not find an hour and a half of the best of John Goodman or SNL. So it was a tricky cut, but I, I do still agree with you. Yeah. He was, did not make my cut either. And just similar points. Yeah. Like I, I think it's just, it's like, he he checks all the boxes. And so when we're looking at Hall of Fame, it's like you want to check all the boxes and, and like be at the top or near the top of all these stats, which of course he he's like right up in this like upper echelon of of all time hosts in terms of like how much how much he's hosted and how often and all that kind of stuff. But it's like when you really dig deep into it, like like Andrew said, it's like what are we left with of it? And like what is he doing that's kind of like transcending the show? And I, I at risk of kind of overusing that word. Um, in this context, I, I do think that's important. It's like, what are we doing to like take SNL outside of itself? And also, how did he, you know, I feel like he is someone who like being a, an all time awesome, frequent SNL host is for me personally, I think of him as more than I think of him as other things. Whereas Steve Martin, it's like, oh my gosh, amazing, frequent, all across the board SNL host. And the like TV dad of my childhood and the star of a million movies and like doing this thing with Selena Gomez right now. Like, so I just think there's like, and I, I know my approach to this is kind of, I think a little bit more like external and like outside of SNL. But I do think that's important when you talk about a hall of fame, it's what are the implications outside of the, the hall itself? Like how is the institution impacting the rest of the world? because of that person's inclusion and involvement with the institution. It's like how I think of it a little. I, I would argue that at the early nineties, especially, I mean, he was a huge movie star. Yeah. Um, I know. Yeah. So, and then of course, Roseanne. So. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, but I, I know what you're saying. Just but, like, but when you, I Steve think Martin you, covers a larger swath, right. I get, I I get what you're saying. You, it's like when you put him, I, I think I'm being harsh on him because it's when you put him against like, Steve Martin, or even frankly, Alec Baldwin, like when you compare him to the people that he ranks close to in terms of like how often he's hosted, or obviously Tom Hanks, another one, like when you put him in that category, he pales in comparison in terms of like the things that he's done in 
recent years that people can know and, and think about and remember. But of course, when you compare him to like an average SNL host, like he's done a, a lot of great things. So that's why I think I think he's like it, at this juncture where I'm just like inherently going to be hard on him. And that's just like the matter of we don't have, you know, 20 spots. We have 15 maximum. He's definitely on my list. Uh, for me, he was closer to the bottom of my list, but he was definitely on it. I think as far as hosts are concerned, uh, if you look at sketch counts just for hosts, um, it goes Alec Baldwin, Steve Martin, and then John Goodman. John Goodman's the third there. And, you know, jo- you know, those three are the only ones that have been in more than 100 sketches, you know, as an SNL host that have never been a cast member on the show. So uh, for me, you know, those are the three that really, you know, lead the pack in that sense. And obviously, uh, you know, him showing up so many years in a row uh it in, in a way sort of penalizes him from you know looking at his totality of his career on snl because uh, if you don't watch episodes from that era of the show you miss out on john goodman whereas if you watch you know multiple different eras of the show you see more steve martin throughout the years so i wonder if that's kind of mm-hmm. where it's coming from nicole in that sense um but i just think that you know as far as uh, hosts are on the show. I mean, there's a there's a bunch for me that I think deserve to make the Hall of Fame naturally, and I think that John Goodman is among the elite of all time for hosts. Hmm. All right. Absolutely. Nicole, okay. who do you have for oh. your next pick? Oh, it's back to me. Oh my gosh. Um, oh my ooh. gosh. I'm stressed out right now. Okay, here, who am I going to go with? I'm looking at my list. Um, I've only had three more more selections on my list. We've covered almost everything. Same. Okay, so then, yeah, okay. So so I'll, I'll, be, I'll be spewing things for a while that are going to get rejected, I think. No, no. <laughs> the um, tail end of this is just going to be It's going to be me, me. The tailor end of this. Nope, not on the list, not on the list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, who am I going to go with? I'm going to go with someone who, okay, here we go. Yeah, this, this like... One of my one of my favorite cast members of all time, um, and someone who just I think in in comedy especially has like like left such a mark and continues to leave a mark, and like for women in comedy, for black women in comedy, I, I get very like emotional thinking about. I don't know if I should sell. I think you're all gonna figure out who I'm talking about before I say her name, but whatever. Like I get very emotional when I think about. Um, it's Maya Rudolph. That's who it is. I get emotional when I think about her, her, her mom, because her mom was like an amazing singer and was on track to be like Whitney Houston level famous. And she died tragically really young. And um, I, I think, I really think that Maya like felt this calling to follow in her, her mom's footsteps and not necessarily by like being Whitney Houston, but by like bringing those voices to the world and to comedy and like, you know, having all these impressions of amazing black women who were like these incredible singers in particular, um, obviously Whitney, Beyonce, so many others. And so like, I think when you tell the story of SNL, when you look back at it, it's like, okay, Maya Rudolph actually, in terms of representation, in terms of like impressions, in terms of telling these stories that like, like we hadn't had a lot of black women on the cast before that. And certainly not any who had like kind of had like such a long tenure as a cast member. And then after she was a cast member, like had very, like came on the show all the time and continues to, and won an Emmy for like guesting on the show. And so like, we'd never had, you know, a black woman before Maya who like has had such a like a long standing and continuing history with the show. I know we're still, 
Uh, we haven't seen her this season, but I'll be shocked if we don't see her in May. Um, so yeah, I, I just think like with her, the reason she's important for me to put on the list is like, you really can't tell certain stories of SNL without her. And then like right after she left, there was all this controversy because like, if you wanted to have a black woman in a sketch, like it was Keenan in drag pretty much. And that was just how it went. And, um, and it's like, after that happened, it was just like, it shouldn't have to be like that. Like, of course, Keenan should do drag if he wants to, but like, it shouldn't be that if we want to represent black women, that it has to be Keenan in drag. So, um, and in addition to like the representation element, I just like, I, I love everything she does. Every like arc, and this is outside best and all, but you know, every arc she's ever had on like, on a sitcom or anything, like she just brings 110% and she adds so much to everything. Every sketch on SNL she did, like every everything. And I also think a lot of what she did, not everything, but more than most cast members, I think a lot of her work like really does stand the test of time. And when you look back, um, I know we were just talking about the Jake Gyllenhaal episode. There were a few things there, a little questionable, but I do think like anytime I look back at old Maya stuff, I'm like, like I would want to see this today. And like, I do see it today because she's on SNL a lot at least last year she was so I like one of my all-time favorites and I do think like th yeah what she did what she, her her story on SNL um is something that like without her we wouldn't have had that story we wouldn't necessarily have had someone fill in those shoes and that would have sucked for the show to not have that yeah I I look I, I love Maya Rudolph. I mean, she crossed into uh, an era that I think was like really important for the show, uh, what we call like our third golden era. And she was really the first person to leave from that group at a certain point. And, uh, I, I, but she's not on my ballot. And the reason that she's not on my ballot is because um, those statistically, and I, like I said, I look at these things a little bit more in that sense. Uh, she is in the top 20 all time in sketch appearances among, um, among cast members. Uh, I do think that she's played a lot of important roles. I think she's what I would compare in a sports analogy to, you know, somebody who hits a lot of home runs, but also strikes out a lot. I, I think that the consistency isn't always there for mm -hmm. a Maya Rudolph, despite the fact that she has incredible pipes, um, and she is clearly extremely talented and diversity and representation, super important. So I'm not taking all that away from her. I just think as far as, uh, you know, and she may make the Hall of Fame eventually for me, but I think that as far as looking at first ballot Hall of Famers for cast members, these have to be the pinnacle of, you know, cast members on SNL. And for me, Maya isn't in that, uh, you know, a lot of times in basketball, we talk about like who's in the Michael Jordan room. Like, I don't think Maya Rudolph makes the Michael Jordan room. Yeah, I would agree. Uh uh, yeah, I mean, she does. Maya is is she represents a lot, um, and I think you know, really, I I think the first cast member of, of truly like mixed race, you know, because she did. I think her father is a French white man, uh, so yeah, you know, and like many represent guy. Yeah, Minnie yeah, Ripperton yeah. from Mom. And, and, then, yeah. and then Minnie goddamn Ripperton, who I adore. I love the Rotary Connection. I love Minnie's uh, uh, solo stuff. I love Maya. And so this was another one where it was slightly hard for me to leave her off the list um, because, you know, she does represent a lot for the show. And, but then. You know, as John says, a lot of home runs, a lot of wild swings and misses. And so Maya also does represent a lot of the campy, 
uh, uh, sing-songy things that that got me out of the show initially. To be honest, like as much as I loved Maya, uh, a lot of the stuff she was doing also was was forcing me away from the show when I was first watching as a, as a young person. And so it's like, I I've had a, a push and pull the entire time with her because I do love her. I do love her work, but then she'll go into realms that I just can't follow her, follow her down. Um, and so, yeah, it, it is tricky first round. I, I would say, you know, a sad no to invite it, you know, it, getting her in there but uh it, it's hard to like i don't want to discount her by not having her on the ballot is is my point yeah i, I love you, nicole's Bill? argument and uh i i think that it's very important uh the representation that she brought to the show at a time where there was no representation um uh, on either side, you know, before Keenan, you know, there were years without a, an African-American male on the show. Um, yeah. Tim Meadows. Well, you still had Tim. Yeah, 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 Tim's yeah, like yeah, Tim for a while. Yeah, uh, Tracy Morgan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. Fair. Um, but again, like, like you said, you know, uh, Tracy or Keenan have to throw a dress on because there wasn't a woman. But yeah, before uh, Maya, I think you basically had Ellen Clayhorn. And, and she left and, and Denitra Vance. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it, it had been a while for a black uh, or mixed race female on the show, for sure. Right. But uh, part of what I was looking at as far, especially for cast members, is how much can I remember of what they did? And obviously her impressions, Beyonce and, and Oprah and, and Whitney. Um, beyond Bronx Beat and Wake Up Wakefields, I'm, you know, I draw a blank without really, you know. Now, if I went back and watched them, I'd go, oh, of course, I remember this or I remember that. But. There's not enough there there uh, for an inaugural ballot. Uh, so that's why she's not on mine. Get stung by the whole first ballot thing, Maya, Maya Rudolph. But, uh, I, you know, I, I think she'll be in the Hall of Fame at some point. But I oh, think yeah. there are, you know, certain If she doesn't make parameters. it, I will... I will just be warned, like, if there's a trespasser, you know who it is. If Maya doesn't make it, <laughs> Got it. So where are yeah. we at here in our list? Is it back to you, John? Yeah, it is I think back, it's back to, to John. Yeah, it is back to me. And uh, I'm surprised nobody brought these uh, these guys up before because, uh, you know, maybe you're just saving it for me because I have to talk about The Lonely Island. I mean, I did a whole show with Jamie about The Lonely Island. Um, I, I dare anybody to explain to me why they wouldn't make the Hall of Fame. Uh, they, to me, defined an era of comedy on Saturday Night Live, uh, as far as, uh, you know, writing digital shorts, uh, they came at a time that, that it was like SNL was built for them in the same way that we spoke about some people in the 70s, how SNL was their playground that they built. The Lonely Island took this, you know, started in 2005 and built these digital shorts. And, you know, I, I cannot explain how much of an impact they had on me and my generation in terms of posting those shorts on YouTube, uh, you know, going around, driving everywhere, listening to the songs between, you know, Mother Lover, Dick in a Box, I Just Had Sex. Like there was just countless ones that we would, you know, be going nuts to making our own versions of these music videos. And really for me, I, I honestly believe that uh, there is some type of correlation between obviously the growth of 
YouTube, a like a platform that you know we're speaking to you on right now. You know, from the Lonely Island to YouTube to uh, eventually, you know, reels and stories and Instagram, uh, all the stuff on social media to eventually TikToks. I mean, I think you can follow the trend going all the way back to the Lonely Island and the shorts that they were creating on the show. I think not only did they change uh, comedy inside of SNL, but they affected everything outside of it as well. Um, to me, they are uh, as close to modern day first ballot Hall of Famers as you would find on the show. So, I mean, I could talk for obviously hours about them and, um, you know, I'll, I'll leave it there. No, go Bold. ahead. Bold. Talk for yeah. hours. No, I, did it I, I, I think that's enough. I think we'll be talking for hours in general. So that's enough. A gift oh, real special. Yeah. We are going on nearly two hours here. Um, you lied to me, Jamie. You said this would be one hour. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I clearly <laughs> got the math as well as the alphabet. <laughs> uh, I will agree. I, I have Lonely Island as number nine, um, just above Franken and Davis on my list because they are indeed another one of that that archetype of of writers and, uh, slash performers that are are carving their own chunk out of the show. And again, that that has been a part of the show from the very beginning with Franken and Davis. Uh, and this, the whole time that Lonely Island was happening, that was when I was on my hardest out with SNL. Like I dipped out around 2004, 2005, didn't return until like 2013 or whatever. So it was a, the, nearly a decade. I missed the whole, that whole era. Oh. I basically missed that whole era. But what would get back to me me not paying any attention to what SNL was doing anymore. It was Lonely Island stuff. And that was it. That was the only stuff that was reaching my ears. And, uh, and so they definitely have to be with, within the first ballot just for that of like, I could not care less about SNL in that period. Yet that was the one thing I could not avoid. And that that says, you know, so much about their their cultural, uh, just how much they were seeping into the, the, the pop culture at that point. And, um, you know, generally, when I went back, I would I would say that, you know, the Lonely Island is is pretty 50 50 in terms of their hit and miss ratio. It's it's like SNL. <laughs> Basically, they have a lot of hits. They have a lot of misses. Uh, but I, I can't deny that for that time period, that era, uh, they were probably the biggest thing going for better or for worse. And so, yes, number nine on my list is indeed the lonely Island. Also, uh, uh, pop star. Don't stop. Stop stopping. <laughs> never <laughs> stop. Never full name stopping. of it. Ne never stop never stopping um still probably the funniest movie i've seen in the last decade or that's whatever. insane yeah. uh, I, there's yet to be a com that's insane. a comedy film uh, a comedy <laughs> film hasn't yet to beat that for Got me it. so far so yeah. uh there's also that Andrew Dick's uh, autobiography is uh, Never Stop, Never Stalking. What? How about so, you, Bill? Everybody found that way too funny. 
Two hours. Okay, well. I, I, I do have them on my list. They are number right. uh, seven for me. Um, how could I not have them on my mm. list when we did an entire super fan takeover about all of their greatest hits? Um, not only the YouTube angle, but the fact that pre-tapes on SNL were dying a slow death. Uh, we were in like year 87 of TV Funhouse. That had just kind of come to a grinding halt. Mm, and, right. you know, yeah. there wasn't a lot going on. There wasn't anything that we see today uh, other than some, you know, commercials and, you know, fake ads and things like that. So they kind of took it to an, a, a completely other level that we hadn't seen at least since the original era, I think, as far as, you know, pre-tapes and, and videos and things like that. And the fact, I mean, it was so catchy. It was so easily accessible in a time when things weren't so easily accessible, you know. So to be able to go on YouTube the next day and show it to your friends or, you know, watch it a hundred times uh, made a huge difference in the show. Um, so, yeah, uh, not only for writers, but con contributors. I mean, it's such a big part of the show the history of this show so number seven for me yeah yeah um i also on my list for sure um i do have a few like ca caveats because I, I feel like it's so easy to just say like of course of course they're in if any if any more modern era anyone will be in it's them but a few things i do wonder kind of in the the nirvana conversation of like how much of their success was luck and timing or like like destiny of you know they were meant to like be they were meant to kind of save SNL in some way and like usher them into the digital age and be like we are going to blow YouTube up and we are going to make SNL relevant on something that is not the television it's something it's this this YouTube thing it's gonna like really like completely revolutionize SNL not just revolutionize like everything in, in TV and culture but like SNL itself like I don't I don't know what SNL would be doing if it didn't have YouTube, especially before posts before like full sketches were posted on like Instagram and Twitter. Like YouTube was a huge part of even that like journey from putting sketches on something that wasn't the television, you know? Um, so that's a huge thing that I, I think either they were like really smart or it was a lot of good luck and timing. Um, but regardless, like very, very important and like impactful. The other thing is for them to have been so relevant and amazing and like, and doing all these things that everybody was talking about and like in classrooms, everyone would come to school and be like doing the, the songs and everything, but also in this like golden age of SNL that was kind of operating independently of, of the digital shorts. It's like Andy was in some of, some of the things that, that you would reference as like the, all the, the golden age stuff. Um, outside of, of Lonely Island, but like it really is its own thing. Like you could even call it a golden age without the Lonely Island. And you could also say that the Lonely Island's time was a golden age, even if like all the other variables were different, all the other cast members and all their contributions were different. So it's like for those two things to coexist and to be interwoven together is, is very interesting. So definitely in for me. Does, here's a, a an offshoot question. Does Andy get in on his own outside of Lonely Island as me? well? Me, absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah, he does. Not not first ballot for me, but he does get in. Yeah, yeah. Andy doesn't get in quite right away for me, but he'll get yeah eventually. As a cast member 
I don't know. As a contributor, yeah. yes. Yeah, I, I, I would say the Lonely Island, yes. Andy by himself, no. Yeah, I mean, not not a lot of sketch work that you could point to as amazing with Andy. Uh, his yeah. impressions weren't that great, you know. So I, I think without Lonely Island, I don't think he gets in. Interesting. Interesting. All right, Andrew, what have you got for us? Uh, well, uh, in interest of keeping it short for John Snyder over here, I'm going <laughs> to nominate Schneider over here. I'm going to nominate Dan Aykroyd. He is very, very, very good. The end. <laughs> no, uh, uh, yeah, my, my nomination, Dan Aykroyd, my goodness. We've been talking about archetypes that the, the first, uh, era of the show would build your Jim Downey, your, your Michael O'Donoghue's, your Franken and Davis's. Uh, Dan Aykroyd is your idiosyncratic weirdo, your Kyle Mooney's uh, of sorts, or your, your Mike Myers. Uh, a very specific voice, a very specific way at running at things. Uh, Dan Aykroyd was all of those things. And also was able to do his own stuff, but then had the, the, the pairing with, you know, I honestly, you, you really don't see the pairing of him and Belushi on the show that often, like in sketch work on SNL, you really don't see <clears throat> Belushi and, and Aykroyd together, but the film work from there on out would, would kind of bear that out a little bit and just their friendship. Um, but I, I feel like Dan Aykroyd is the prototypical, you know, lovable weirdo that the show would always need 47 years down the road. And so no doubt for me, Dan Aykroyd first ballot, absolutely 100% in there. Like, and, and just his writing, you can, as soon as the sketch starts, you can go, oh yeah. This is a Dan Aykroyd sketch. You know it instantly, for better or for worse. And I think that is, <laughs> um, you know, that's a unique thing. You know, some writers, some performers are able to adapt and uh, do different things. You go, oh, I didn't expect them to have put that, you know, have worked on that. But Dan Aykroyd, you know, you know instantly. Uh, what he has worked on, and uh, I just love him. I love Dan, one of the best. So absolutely on the ballot. Number six for me, Andrew. You ignorant slut. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no I'm with you on this. Uh, you can't have uh, a Hall of Fame without Dan Aykroyd. Uh, the original glue. Uh, while yes. While the you know, yep. Belushi was going crazy and, and Billy was doing his own thing. You know, he, he or was, Jane. I, I feel that Jane also can be, uh, yeah, called yeah, the original fair. glued because, yeah, she did stay all the way through to the point where you would need a glue in season yes. five. So, <laughs> yeah. But one of the best ad men of all time between the oh. Bassomatic and the Charles pa Mouse Char Palace. Uh, great impressionist. Uh, love his Tom Schneider. One of the one of my favorite impressions of all time, um, impersonated three presidents too. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, he he is just amazing, and uh, 
I dare you to watch an Ackroyd sketch and not laugh even today. So has he got yeah, the most easy, famous easy one-off one sketch of all time? Which one? I'm thinking Fred Garvin, male prostitute. Oh, <laughs> oh, well, sure. twice. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah I was about to was say. Like, I think they might have brought that back. I think it was only one time. I think it's only one. I think it's oh, only it? one. Okay. Yeah. John, <laughs> yeah. I you know I will give SNL credit if they they you might be right. Did that you once. might be right. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. not on my list, and um, it's it's not that I really wanted to make this decision, but you know, decisions decisions are ha- having to be made, and I think it is that like I I don't think, for example, when you were saying like the comparing to like a Kyle Mooney, I don't think that Dan Aykroyd's influence can be seen today like in a kyle the way that say like gilda's influence can be seen in like Kristen wig or sarah sherman mm-hmm. um or many others so i don't i don't think yeah, there's I, a, I would a, i personally i would completely disagree you know i that's you can disagree with me but I, I, that's how i feel um <laughs> you can you can you can have your piece too but like i, I just think Everything that he did, I don't think there's as much of, a, of like a through line in terms of the rest of the show and as like the decades that followed um, in terms of like when people are thinking about there. And I know, again, it's different interpretations of what this means, but I think mm. SNL Hall of Fame, it means like impacting the, the show in the very beginning and doing things that without you, the show wouldn't have existed, all that kind of thing. But, you know, I have to wonder, like, if it weren't Dan Aykroyd, could there have been someone else? in that role. And I think that the answer is more likely yes, than it would be for, for Gilda. Like if, if I'm thinking like someone who mm. t- took that role. So he, I mean, of course I want to put him in the, in the thing, but I just, I, you know, I had to mm. make some cuts. Hmm. I, I agree by the way about the uh, Dan versus Gilda point uh, to that extent, but I don't, uh, he, he is on my ballot 100%. I don't agree that there isn't a through line though, but I see a through line completely differently than Andrew. I actually see the through line from Dan Aykroyd to Phil Hartman to Bill Hader. I think those are the, yeah. that's the through line that I see. Yeah. As, the glue as, type performers, but also the sketches he wrote, I feel are the more idiosyncratic Kyle Mooney type of things so he he almost yeah. did both at the same time well here's the thing about dan Aykroyd is that uh like look we always talk about uh performers right so i i know from because i come from a hosting background i know that like when the event starts you are on and dan Aykroyd, when the light goes on and they are on air he is fully engaged in character is at his absolute best and when the light goes off he is just the most mild-mannered like mm-hmm. he, he's just a different personalities and that's that is what you ended up getting later on down the road with the Phil like and the Bill Hayers. i think Keenan yeah, could also for sure. that yeah, for sure, a hundred percent. And um, yeah, to me, uh, I, I would have a hard time arguing that anybody in the original cast shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I think that obviously yeah. you can make arguments for Garrett and Lorraine uh, for different reasons, but no. I think, th- yeah, but I think it's really, really tough not to put any of the original cast in the Hall of Fame. I just think that they set the standard for what the show should be. Obviously, in the case of Dan Aykroyd, beyond just the first five years, uh, he comes back many times on the show. He finally hosts, I and mean, he was going to host, uh, I think, in season six, he was going to host at one point, and he didn't, mm. and then he ends up coming back. He basically back shares 20. an episode with John Goodman too. Like they're both yes, basically sure. co-hosts. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. And like, and like, look, uh, I'll also throw the caveat in, I think his SNL career in terms of spanning the 47 years would be even more storied if John Belushi was still alive, because I think that we would have seen Belushi and Aykroyd many more times on the show together. So I think that that is something that uh, you certainly have to think about in these what if scenarios. We you know talked about Gilda, Gilda almost hosted the show and, you know, mm-hmm. she got sick. So um, I, I just I really think that uh, this is a no brainer for me. Wow. Yeah. No brainer. Yeah. Uh, no brainer. I mean, original cast member, um, that rat is tat, tat delivery, uh, you know, so wonderful. Um, yeah. I just, I, I feel that there, there still has been no other performer like Dan who can just spit uh, rapid fire dialogue. Uh, like he can and i think that's why like when eric isle came onto the show and is like dan Aykroyd would totally be a python member because he can do what i do which is to scream rapid reams of pages of dialogue uh like (laughs) you know like eric and dan can do i I would just disagree that i think bill Hader would qualify as well i think that he would absolutely qualify as far as being able to pull off exactly what dan did he just didn't it, it just the writing was different at the time yeah, I, I I truly do wonder, and you know, the, those are the things that Dan would write for himself. Though it's this yes. those highly technical. Uh, so like, I just you know, again, you 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 dig into the scripts that Dan writes, and like, there's a lot of stuff there's like he's writing about motorcycles and stuff, and like, there's that whole uh, sketch where he's he's talking to Gilda as his daughter, and you know, she's you know, eventually realize like, you know, the whole last beat of the sketches is, is she herself uh, does some mechanical joke or whatever. Like you should have done this or whatever. Uh, but again, like Dan just comes at sketch writing and his performances and the whole structure of the thing from a, a way that I feel almost nobody else in the show's history has done. So uh, that that truly does make him unique in my eyes. You you very much know an Aykroyd sketch when it happens. Mm-hmm. It sounds very Chinatown. I don't know what's happened to my voice. Throughout this recording, my voice has started to disappear. But that uh, what I said there was that was because so <laughs> we're talking so much. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> we have sucked the voice out of you, Jamie. Somehow. <laughs> All right, Bill, you're up uh, with your next pick. Okay, uh, going with another pioneer, uh, someone who kind of blazed a, a path. Um, she was the first he- female head writer of the show. Uh, wrote some of the best sketches of the late 90s and then transitioned into a cast member, which was rare at the time. Um, and then did Weekend Update for six years. And uh, obviously became more famous for doing her Sarah Palin impression. Um, I'm I'm voting for Tina Fey. Easy, <laughs> easy pick. Yeah, me. yeah, she's in mine too. And I think, um, I guess if if I'm if I really had to cut it down, like if if I were doing a ten instead of a fifteen, I would keep Tina. Um, and I would I I probably would get rid of Maya even though I, I I would say I'm more of a fan of Maya than Tina but I think that Tina like what they have in common is that like coming back and doing that that iconic political impression that is like yes. where the politician like I mean it's more it's it's much more true in in the Sarah Palin case but like the politician becomes more iconic because of the impression and it's this whole 
unbelievable meta thing. Um, and like part of the reason I would pick Tina over my, if I had to, is because of like that influence was obviously much more significant um, in that case. And then also obviously the way that Tina transitioned from being a writer to like having a very, very front facing role as like a weekend update anchor and in sketches and um, like really just touched so many different elements of the show itself. And then literally like parodied the entire show in a new show that she that she created and started and everything and so like I'm not saying that 30 Rock is a reason to put her in the Hall of Fame but I think <laughs> it's kind of the it's kind of the anti Eddie Murphy move to like after you're like a massive star and you really have a lot of options for for what you could do to parody the show that gave you your career and is all about the same building and the same everything um it's like obviously it's it's like a satire and it's sh- it's shitting on you know, crapping on whatever the the show, but clearly it's like out of love and, and respect at the end of the day. So it, I, I would kind of describe that journey as like the anti Eddie Murphy track track that we that we referenced earlier. So um, yeah, and then obviously like in the name of like like women in comedy, that was a very a a, a path that was very very like no no one had had walked that path before in many different senses of it. She just did so many things in tandem, where like. You know, I would say, like, in some sense, Jane Curtin definitely, like, paved the way, of course. But, like, for Tina to just do so many of the, these things, like, to obviously update, but then, like, head writer and then, like, sk- like she was doing all these things that, like, um, yeah. And I, I think that, like, again, being picky about not being able to put everyone on, like, not put it, being able to put <laughs> Jane Curtin on, even though, like, like, I mean, she, we're, she, we're not talking about her for this time, but I do think, like, there's something to be said for nominating someone who came after somebody else in a way that is kind of honoring the person who came before. Like, I don't think Absolutely. that we, de- we def necessarily just because like, you know, choosing someone who, who was a little bit more modern or kind of mid to, to current, like to me, that is honoring past people or like somewhat like a host that I might talk about later. Like if they, if a lot of them had to do with a, a former cast member, like for me, it all, it's this like, this ecosystem where like if the influence is there, then it kind of is nominating that person in a way. I had such a tough time with this. I, I left Tina Fey off my list and I really, this was the name I was struggling. And I mean, during this podcast, I I put her back on then I took her off again. I, I don't know what the right answer is with Tina. And I think that ultimately what it came down to for me is that I think what she represents in terms of, the history of the show, the female head writer, the impact on women at the show and, uh, you know, changing what we talked about earlier with, you know, Gilda about the tropes of, you know, having the three women. I mean, Tina was instrumental in bringing on more women on the show and changing the dynamics of, of all that behind the scenes. So I think in yeah. terms of what she presents, um, it, it's very important. Um, but you know, she, she, she was, you know, just to clarify for the listeners, I mean, she was nominated in the writing category. She was not, not necessarily a cast member. So I took writing as my first look at her. And I think that part of my issue is um to me she does represent even though i'm really proud of what the show did she represents a time in the show that i think uh wasn't very strong in my opinion in terms of the qualities of the episodes um it, it's right after you know will ferrell you know starts to you know like wrap up his run on the show and then there's like in my opinion a little bit of like dark days between then and then the start of like the lonely island era that we just discussed and <clears throat> tina is like largely responsible for a lot of um you know the writing in that era of the show and 
I think that gets masked sometimes when we talk about Tina because of how much she represents uh, both on update and as the head writer. But I think if I'm just looking, you know, trying to be completely objective, looking at her SNL career, I don't think she is a first ballot <laughs> Hall of Famer. And I agree. And I, I love the, uh, the the flop sweat flying off of John there trying to say that because, yes, I do agree. Uh, basically, Tina Fey, as much as I do like the sketch output that she had uh, before she was a uh, head writer, I think she did do like you. you there's no way you can't say that Tina Fey has written some fantastic sketches, but also she was the head writer during the period where I completely fell out and, and, and even coming back to it years now, uh, it is, it, it's even worse coming back to it now. Like I do not like her up, uh, tenure on update. I do not like her head writing a uh, uh, tenure on the show like i do feel it is is maybe the lowest uh pull of the show uh, is is the 2004 wow. 2005 and and i don't completely want to put that on tina uh it also just pop culture and and ourselves america uh was also at our deepest ebb as well so what are you going to parody but the dumbest shit ever um, but it was, it was, it was bad times and no matter what Tina was there. And I don't think she was quite, um, pu putting the twist on that. Like, I don't, I don't think she was seeing that for what it was at the time. She it, like, it was a lot of it was just simply being there in the whatever pop cut like american idol cold open or whatever it, it, it was bad and so i could i i i also could not put her on my ballot but that is not to take away from from the strengths that she does have as a writer um i agree and, and it's, it's 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 like yeah. it's it, it's a tricky situation she was there for a very bad period of snl and american culture and just wasn't able to put it together. And it's a damning situation. And I feel bad for her. But uh, I think she's doing fine. Yeah, she's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think she's doing fine. I think she's yeah. doing fine. Basically, my opinion does not matter. She's doing fine. She um, wants the plaque, though. You know, she probably wants the plaque. Yeah. yeah. So that's also, yeah. if it's not me, yeah. if it's not me, you know, barging in and trespassing, it might be Tina, I guess. Right. She deserves to get into the Hall of Fame. There's no question about it. I just think that, uh, you know, for like really real fans of the show that have seen every single episode of the show, I just think that there is like a little bit of an underrated uh, through line through her seasons as a head writer that's like, we, we love Tina and we know how important she was to the show but like uh, you know yeah it's like again that's where i tapped out yeah. you know yeah. that that was where my initial love of the show ended it was yeah. with her head writing uh tenure so hmm. uh you know all right nicole so i would not have in you know good spirits been, been able to, to to do this this podcast without without putting in a good word for the person who I myself nominated, who has really left such a mark on my life, my childhood since, since, 
like I was very young until all the way now and forever. Um, and who has done really the same on SNL for everyone my generation. And I, <clears throat> I think this is like an influence that we are going to just continue to see. It is a little bit fresh relative to the people who've made the cut. It's a very, very small list of people who've made the cut. But I, I do think that if we're talking about people who are within the last like 12, 13 years have been really important to the show in a consistent way in a long-standing way, as long-standing and consistent and frequent as anyone could be in like a decade and some change, like that's this person. That is this person in every sense. And it's Miley Cyrus or Hannah Montana, whichever one you want to write down is, is who I am nominating. And like she, we talked about this on uh, when I nominated her, but just the the number of different things that she has done on the show in a relatively small amount of time, like doing the Mother's Day Cold Open, being chosen in an, the unprecedented metric of of like evaluating who got chosen to do a, a song during the at-home episodes. Like for me, that's like the highest honor of all because everyone was available. You could have chosen any A-list musician for that because no one was on tour, no one was doing anything. So to be chosen for that is a massive honor. And she was one of the, the people who did um, who did a performance for an SNL at home episode. She has done so much meta stuff that was make, making fun of herself. Um, I know she's nominated in the musician category, the musical guest category. So um, it, it does mostly come back to music. Like when she parodied herself at the VMAs, like iconic. When she had a, 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 a really, really amazing, like recurring sketch about her that she then like, what appeared in as someone else, like when she was in the, the Miley show as Justin Bieber, like that's the stuff that really makes an SNL Hall of Famer. And I know it's it's soon to be calling her that, but like truly if it's anyone who has been there in the last decade, it like it, it, it is her. It is her. Hmm. So Miley. And I would agree that I think that if you played like if, if SNL in the last decade was played in music, it would probably be Miley Cyrus. I think that she is the modern day uh, representative of, you know, who SNL chooses to come back time and time again, both at the 40th anniversary at the at home shows. I certainly think that she's uh, impactful on the show. Uh, for me, it just comes down to like I was really, really tough on musical guests for you know, picking for the first ballot. And I think that if you're going to be, uh, you know, in the musical guest category and put as a first ballot Hall of Famer, to me, um, I'm looking for more people who span the generations. And that's no fault of Miley whatsoever. It's just I, I had to make a cut somewhere. And I think Miley will get in eventually. I just don't think that it's on the first ballot for me. Yeah, I, I can echo that. Um, I do think she is a, a surprising, you know, uh, a presence on the show, uh, for sure. I, I've actually pretty much enjoyed uh, all of her times that she has appeared on the show. And you brought the SNL at homes uh, thing, and and her cover of Pink Floyd's uh, "Wish You Were Here" was was strangely uh, divisive, uh, but I thought it was uh, incredible. Um. <laughs> Oh, and Nicole. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, yes, I feel it's just a little bit too early to call it for Hall of Fame. But um, Lord, I, I, I really do think that she is on her way. And uh, I, I was one of the few that 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 truly uh, 
I do stand by her work on the show. And again, that wish you were here cover uh, of, of Pink Floyd was, was uh, truly top tier. I felt. Um, so that is another thing though about her is like her, the way she, she, she pays tribute to other legends like that, mm-hmm. that came before her. I think that puts her way above like anybody else who would be in a similar spot, like in terms of the yeah. status. Yeah, that and that's my thing with Miley in general is that like I I'm still like I'm not against her in any sort of fashion and I'm still waiting for the time that I'm 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 truly 100% on board. And uh, moments like that where like oh man, we are inching ever closer. Uh because my my thing with her and her musical output is I I think she is sort of like a a Bonnie Raitt uh, type of persona where she can uh, do these very interesting uh, covers of other artists and, and make the songs her own uh, in very fascinating ways uh, that I, I feel like her music is, is almost on the cusp of that, but on in, in SNL, itself she is always very game i do not uh, i enjoy pretty much all of her episodes that she's hosted so th- this is a a near miss for me personally agreed yeah i echo what both of these guys have said uh probably my favorite contemporary uh musical guest um but talk to me in another 10 years I think maybe she'll be in at that point, but I think it's too soon. And there's a couple people on this list that you can see their path to the Hall of Fame. I don't think they're there yet. Yeah. Just as soon. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I agree. John, we're back to you. Okay. I mean, I, I couldn't, you know, anybody who knows me knows I couldn't do a Hall of Fame ballot without putting uh, my guy Justin Timberlake on the ballot. Uh, and I, I honestly think that, uh, you know, you t- again, baseball comparisons, um, you know, there was Babe Ruth. Uh, we talked about, you know, the steroids era and stuff, but like uh, Mike Trout came along, people, and people say he's the greatest baseball player of all time. And that's because he can do everything. And so can Justin Timberlake. So, I mean, the guy acts, he performs. He writes. I mean, he's been in some of the biggest moments in recent times. I mean, there, I think enough time has passed, to be honest with you. I mean, he hasn't been on the show very much over the last era. I think enough time has passed. Yeah, he's very much like a Buck Henry, where he has his era, and that's it. Yes. Uh, and he he is totally representative of, like, the host of that era of the show. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, he opened up the 40th anniversary you know, he was the cold open with Jimmy Fallon and, mm. you know, singing about all the past moments on the show. And I just think that, like, he's been there for some of the biggest moments. And uh, the, the most wonderful thing about the Justin Timberlake episode, and, and you know, I was a big NSYNC fan and I, I was really excited to have him on the show. But uh, there's a lot of SNL fans <laughs> who were not big NSYNC people. They were not into pop music. It wasn't the type of music mm. that, that you typically heard on the show. Um, I mean, obviously, there was, you know, Britney Spears was on the show a couple times. Um, Backstreet Boys were on the show. But, I mean, uh, when NSYNC came on and then people found out in 2000, that Justin Timberlake was going to be hosting the show, people were not excited. They were like, what is this pop star going to come on, be a complete diva, not be great? And he came on and he just crushed it. Obviously, he did a lot of great things with Jimmy Fallon and you saw like their connection right away and we've seen that throughout the years. But then my biggest argument is like, Jimmy Fallon leaves the show and Justin Timberlake comes on and he builds new rapports with other cast members. Like he builds this thing with Andy Samberg who 
like it, to me, it's very, very difficult for a host to transition over from era to era and have you know important sketches with different types of cast members. And Justin Timberlake can pull that off in a way that Steve Martin could pull that off. And I just think that um, it, it's like you know you have to like Justin to want to put him in the Hall of Fame. And I know that he's polarizing for some people, but I mm. just have to say, if you just look at his work on the show, to me, it is like as a resume, so clear cut how yeah. fantastic of a host he was. Yeah, I, I he's not on my list, but I am I I can't disagree with anything you've said. Um it's just that the fact that those episodes are intensely polarizing to people. And usually I'm on the side that I, I enjoy most of his episodes. They do get very samey. We do build a, a, a returning uh, well of sketches uh, to the point where I, I, you know, there was one time, forget what episode it's in, no, but no, he no. comes on Weekend Update and basically says, I, I wasn't able to host this week, but here's the fake episode we would have done. And it's basically the episode they will do the next time he's back on. And but name so even me another like, host that could do that. Name me anybody else who can say that they I mean, have yeah. a, a hosting platform that looks exactly how it's going to look when that host hosts. And you may yeah. hate that. I mean, for better or for worse is, is the thing, you know, of here's all the sequel sketches will do. And here's how it's going to look uh, is, is almost more damning towards SNL than it is uh, uh, Justin Timberlake. Who I feel is again a very game performer, and that that moment is is more speaking of the fact that the show uh, had almost kind of run out of ways to run at what we can do with Justin. Um, and so again, he is not on my ballot, but I do go to bat for the episodes he's in. Uh, I do love the BG sketches with him and Jimmy. Um, those, those do hit in a, uh, a, a very Bee Gees centric part in my soul. And so there's always that. Uh, but again, he's, he's, he's just one, you can't ask for much more from an but, SNL host than him, but still strangely, he is not on my ballot tonight. And by the way, let me just say one more thing uh, before Bill goes, uh, respectfully. I, I would like to say, uh, from a statistics perspective, the top sketch lists for, for hosts that have never been cast members, but only hosts on the show, Alec Baldwin, Steve Martin, John Goodman, Tom Hanks, Buck Henry, Justin Timberlake. Top six. I mean, you, you keep, like you know, he just fills out every single checkbox that there can be. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's on my list. Uh easy one for me this uh probably if you got in a time machine and talked to me in 1999 or 2000 and said you know this dude from nsync is going to host and he's going to be really <laughs> good i would have asked what are you smoking and pass it please like there's no way i would have thought that this guy would do what he did and i probably if there was twitter back in 2003 i probably would have been bashing this episode before it came on but his first two episodes are complete classics top to bottom and yeah there is some diminishing returns uh as he came back but is there anybody we want more to come back right now i mean it's been seven years i know you john i know you want him back but i i think in general i think this this is one of those guys this is one of those hosts 
where you would be so excited to see his name pop up on the on the on the cards. So. I don't know. I, I, me personally, at this point, I feel it is very much like a Buck Henry, where it would almost cheapen it uh, to bring Justin back. Of like, no, his era. It's already been so long. That was it. That was his time. Yeah, but that Steve was Martin went six years between eighty and eighty-six. So, yeah, true. You true. Find I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it would completely work. I mean, you know, it would be interesting to see. But um, I, I feel but he, the show yeah. would then need to lean into coming up with with new things for Justin. Yeah, and that that indeed would be interesting to see. You could not rely on the templates that they established for his shows so much that he is commenting on them uh, in weekend updates that he is he's not hosting. So uh, it would be very intriguing. But that that is also kind of why he was not on my list. Of it, it did get very samey. There was a formula built out of Justin hosting the show. Yeah, he was not on my list. Um, I, I I don't have like anything against him, but he just he, he didn't make the cut for me. And I, I think like when you're saying that he like I don't know that it's so amazing that once Jimmy Fallon left, he was like all of a sudden he could be buddies with Andy Samberg. Like that's not like a crazy leap, respectfully. So I don't think that really shows versatility to like have one one from one of them to the other one. Um, and I, if anything, like the fact that he hasn't been back in so long, it's like, why not? Like he like had these, these kind of little eras, like kind of overlapping. I guess you could give him kind of two eras, but you couldn't give him three eras. Like, I, I don't think you could really call it that. And so, yeah, I, I just feel like he, he wasn't, in, he was impactful on the show for like, not more than a decade i guess it was about a decade and then he was on the, the 40th yeah. yeah it was like a solid like well, decade like a decade and change 20 percent of the show though yeah. right i know i know and i i guess it's like maybe in terms of this hall of fame conversation because it's been a while then it's more likely to be like you know put in whereas like you know miley has had the same decade and change pretty much it's just been more recent um so i mean I don't know that they're they're even that different from each other in, in the way that they their SNL careers have gone. The other thing is, I, th- I think there was a lot of luck, just like with Lonely Island, even though Lonely Island is on my list and Justin's not. I, I think that we're talking about that era of this very interesting time in American culture of of like like that like 2003 time of of like the the low rise jeans and the like the cardigans and the shawls on the red carpet and like all these crazy things. And the, the one, you know, that's what I think of like Ashley Tisdale and her red carpet yeah. looks like, like just, weird, just bad times, weird <laughs> stuff, weird stuff going on. Bad times. And like, but like, that's why if anything, I give more props to like the show and the producers and casting. And I, I guess it was Marcy Klein at that time. Like it's like more on them than on Justin to be like, Oh, we have to lean into this weird fucking bot weird vibe like of this era like we have to like have justin timberlake become an snl staple if we're even going to survive this weird time like Mm. it has to be like that so i kind of give more credit to the show than justin i think he walked into Mm. a lot of luck and he he Mm. delivered on that luck executed Wow. And I'm not even i'm not even that is looks could kill uh okay 
All right, this, this is wait, this is absolutely yeah. insane. Um, but this is what I, this is what I would say, uh, Nicole. I will I will make a promise to you. Okay, when I fill out my ballot, uh, yeah. you 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 made an argument and you said you don't know that Miley Cyrus is that different from Justin Timberlake. Well, you you love Miley Cyrus and you nominated her for the ballot. I will put Miley Cyrus on my ballot if you put Justin Timberlake on yours. Oh, oh wow! What is so, this like so, fake Monopoly? Wait, so, so what is going? Well, I have on? I have more spots. I have more spots. So on my ballot, Miley so you, will be your you you have twelve still. Or did you? Yeah, cut I, no, I did my twelve. I'll I'll make Miley my. I'll first trade your like acro. I'll paper. trade my acro for your. I have somebody broad. I could drop. Done. I have Go fish. Drop. Yeah, done. Done. It's done. Yeah. Wow. Okay, done. Yes. And wait. Jamie, no. No. Just, no. Wait. Yeah. Wait. What? what does Miley need? Does Miley need sixty six percent? Miley needs three of us. So actually, your vote isn't that valuable to me. Yeah. No, that's no, not true. That's it not doesn't true. help. It just. I thought my. Oh, all three of us? Okay, well, wait. No, does it need, does Miley need three of us or two of us? <laughs> well, she needs there's, there's, people. There's also a larger voting pool, but yeah, yeah. Oh, is right, there a but, larger voting But oh, only for goodness. only for this episode. Because if you agree, like, does that even help me or do I really need three of the four to agree? Or does it not matter? Jamie? Well, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter because we really don't matter. know how many people are going to vote. Really like if, okay, if, yeah. fine, fine. Know. That's fine. Fine, we're doing this. Um, yeah. Jamie. Uh, let me just say one more thing. Uh, if you, uh, if Justin Timberlake does not get into the Hall of Fame this year, I am <laughs> nominating myself to be on the episode that nominates him back next year. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why you you saved we'll, we'll it for that, the we'll end. Did you do that on purpose? You saved your favorite for the end so you could use that strategy. So and no one else could use it because it's too oh, late for good. everyone else. So mm. that'd be smarter. It's if that's never too did. late for me. It's only eleven o'clock. Yeah. Oh my God! It's eleven o'clock. It's eleven <laughs> okay. o'clock, baby. All right. Okay. All right. Moving so on. me, I have I have one last thing. We're basically done with my list, but we did then start adding musical guests. So I added Paul McCartney, and then you know what? I added my boy Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers because you know what? That Tom Petty. That is one of those things that is. Uh, it is building blocks of music for me. And so like, there's no way I can't see a list and go, Ooh, Tom Petty's on here of best of all time. Uh, it's, it's tricky for like that, that, that indeed was the hardest cut was just to say, yeah, no Tom Petty, because my God, it's Tom Petty. Uh, I don't remember if we were live on mic or whatever, uh, when we were talking about like Stevie Wonder and just like everybody loves Stevie, right? Everybody loves Tom Petty. If you don't like Tom Petty, you are trying way too hard. Like, I, I just I don't know what's wrong with your life or whatever. Um, it's it's and every single time he's on there, like I've seen Tom live. Um, it, it's it's he always pulls it off. It's Tom Petty. He's a legend. And if I'm going into 12 uh, nominations territory, then yes, absolutely. Tom Petty is on there because, uh, yeah, what am I doing if I don't do that? So, yeah, Tom Petty is my my final nomination for the night. Tom Petty and the goddamn Heartbreakers. Yes. Did anybody else have... uh... TP and the HBs on their list? Probably not. Probably not. No. They were close. And- uh, I mean, eight, eight appearances uh, appeared with all the big hosts. Martin, Hanks, Goodman, Baldwin, Buck Henry. Yeah, I mean, Tom's had more appearances than Paul McCartney. Yes. Um, but uh, just just missed the cut for me. Mm. Yeah. Very for nice. me, 
this is the part of the night where I where I admit that my the 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 most important thing to me about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers is John Mayer's Free Fallen cover. So with that said, they're not making the cut for me. Got it. Uh, yeah, they 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 just I missed am the in cut distress. For me. I am in That's distress. Fine. This is how I felt about what's GT, happening. But, uh, but I uh, yeah, they just just missed the cut for me as well. Uh, the the it, was, it is Tom Petty and the Heartbreaking that I cannot put them on mm. the list. But uh, <laughs> I, I think like look. Uh, as far as uh, sketch appearances or segment appearances on the show, I mean, they're very high up there. I do think that they are potentially looks at the Hall of Famers. They're in that category for me. Um, you know, for anybody who hasn't hosted the show that's simply been a musical guest, like I said, Dave Grohl dominates. Uh, Paul McCartney would be next. James Taylor, I think, is a future Hall of Famer. Uh, Coldplay slash Chris Martin. Uh, Kanye West, we could talk about just as, in terms of being on the show. Uh, and then Tom mm. Petty. I mean, those are the ones that are really yeah. like at that top of the list. So I think that, um, you know, we're, we're entering a, a stage here where these are um potentially hall of famers but not sure things and for me the first ballot was sure things fair enough fair enough me me as well but yeah uh, once we then established <laughs> within the the talking of the show it's like all right i gotta throw tom back in there i gotta do it because that, that's it's yeah it mean, he means a lot to me personally so no, and I mean, yeah, yeah, the the fact that he has been with you know like the who's who of hosts is, uh, uh, or you know, they rather have performed with the who's who of hosts. Um, yeah, just seals the deal for me. Yeah, Bill, who you got? Uh, my second last one. Uh, I am going with one of my favorite cast members of all time, uh, Chris Farley. Hmm. Not just Matt Foley. I mean, he he did so many great things on the show. Belushi 2.0, if you want to call it that. Um, and, and even when he was put into the role of impressions, where it was just, we need the fat guy in this sketch. You know, can you play we need Dom, Dom DeLuise or John Madden or Meatloaf? He did well at those two. I mean, he wasn't doing a Dana Carvey type impression, but hmm. he did. <laughs> He took the meat that was on that bone and he ran with it. Um, I would have loved to seen him host um, in a sober state or even, you know, two or three more times just in any state. Um, it's painful to watch his hosting uh, stint, but mm, yeah. You know, granted, I, I did rewatch that recently. I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. I think the show makes it out to be well, as bad like i think the show itself paints it as hard but i mean there are times where he is off camera and you can hear him breathing very heavily but yeah he himself I mean, on camera is 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 doing a great job he is he's yes doing i mean job. el nino and matt foley coming back i think if he had died two years later as opposed to six weeks later it might hold up a little bit better for me mm. um just knowing how close he is to yeah. the end now in, in retrospect. But anyway, uh, as far as his time on the show, I, I'm nominating Chris Farley. Hmm. Did yeah. anyone else have Farley on the list? So he is now that I'm using this as, as kind of currency to, to like advance my own desires and things, which I, I think that Chris Farley would approve of, of me doing that. Um, he is in, <laughs> in my, he is in my 15. Um, but now I'm like, would he be okay if I took him off? Um, because what, if I add JT, I've got a few other people to cut. Um, you know what, Farley, I think you will appreciate this joke 
and my selfishness, my <laughs> strategic thinking and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to cut, I'm going to take him off. He's, he was on my 15, mm. but I mean, Justin Timberlake is just weaseling his way into my 15 now. So. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for me, um, this was, this was tough. Uh, I love Chris Farley uh, as a person. I think that, uh, he is one of the best cast members. I think, uh, when we did a cast member draft, uh, he was definitely in the first round. Uh, I think that, you know, you would start, you, you know, you would start an SNL cast with somebody like Chris Farley. I just think that as far as the totality of his SNL career, I think that he doesn't for me, equate to a first ballot Hall of Famer, especially near the end in the, you know, going into that, you know, fateful season 20. I think that, um, you know, yeah. that's that's a really tough, uh, tough mark on somebody's SNL career. So, um, yeah, it, it, this was tough, but I don't, I, I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I, same for me. He was not on my list. It, it's it's very weird, weird to say that, like, Chris Farley, Farley is very much a Tina Fey for me, where you can... Uh, you know, see why they are so important initially. And then the end of the tenure is uh, indicative of very low ebb of the show. And it kind of comes from them. Now it's hard to say if that's just, they're responding to whatever they feel other people are responding to, uh, but it's not the best that they can do. And, um, you know, like, I, I just feel that as, as many other people do, like, I, I think like a Bob Odenkirk, you know, I, I do feel very strongly when like a Bob Odenkirk says like, we missed out on the depth of, of character and, and portrayal and, and honesty of a Chris Farley, uh, too soon. And, and and you don't get that in an SNL where he is just falling down and screaming and go son of a bitch. You know, it's that's not the the depth of of you know comedic worth that they have. And so uh that that is why I can't, you know, put them on, on the ballot here is that SNL was not the best lane for them in the end. In the end, it was more damning yeah. than it was helpful. Not for Tina. I would I say for Tina so. as well. That, uh, personally, that is just a personal okay. thing. I think yeah. it opened up things for her that were like perfect for her. But um, I see the point. Well, about just, I feel like I Chris did good. not have the Tina time afterwards. We We yeah. may have had that with Chris uh, that we just didn't have. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's more of like a Kurt Cobain. Like if, if he hadn't been in the spotlight, like in this really abrupt way, you have to wonder like, you know, his, his life could have been different. It could have been healthier, longer, et cetera. If he, if he Mm -hmm. didn't weren't like thrust into the spotlight like that. But yeah. But yeah, when, when, when people like Bill, Bob Odenkirk and, and, and Tim Meadows speak about them on stage, in a very personal space with him. Uh, you do feel that we did miss something from Chris that we never quite fully got. Yeah. So tough cut, but I did have to cut him. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Nicole. All right. Let's see. Who am I bringing? Okay. So here's the thing when, when we start talking about like strategy. So if, like if I had 
added Michael O'Donoghue, I would have gotten rid of this person um, because they represent a lot of the same things. It's just one was a writer and one was a cast member, but it's a lot of the same it's it's the same stuff that you would want in your Hall of Fame that you'd want represented in what makes us and not what it is and the the influences that you need to have on the show to balance out the other things and and the things that like never could have the, the show wouldn't be what it is without people who get fired from the show that like I wouldn't want an SNL history where people weren't getting fired like I don't think any of us <laughs> would so <laughs> so now but you're then, talking my language yeah there we go now we're we're connecting on one thing there we go. <laughs> Um, there, more, more than one thing, but, um, so with that, so my, my person who I'm, I'm bringing in next is Norm Macdonald, who mm. like those OJ jokes, they, they hold up in the sense that like, they are so funny. Like we would not get anything close to them today. Like I think Michael Che can kind of inch a little bit close to that, but like, he's never going to come near like what Norm Macdonald was, was doing and like risking so much and just like did not care. He was like, all he wanted to do was just like do what he wanted to do. That was like, he came out there to like do like honor his own comedic sensibility and like make people laugh and make himself laugh. And yeah, those like OJ compilations on YouTube are like, I I could just watch those constantly. And I do, I, I watch them all mm. the time. So I'm, yeah. But again, like I would put, if we're, if we're doing like first tier, like, like, for example, like a Tina and Maya, maybe it will just be Tina who makes it this round or maybe neither. Like, I would put one or the other between O'Donoghue and, and Norm. And in this case, I'm putting Norm. Huh. Yeah, I, I I certainly see it. I mean, I love Norm McDonald on the show and tragic uh, that he's not still with us. And I think that, you know, I, I didn't have him on my ballot. And the reason being is that I, I just ultimately feel if I look at his career on the show, um, in terms of importance, like probably most dangerous weekend update guy since Chevy. Um, you know, you can argue Dennis in certain senses, but um, I, I sort of feel like Dennis Miller and Kevin Nealon had better SNL careers than Norm Macdonald. And, and you could argue that. And um, I, I think like in the grand scheme of things as a cast member, uh, to me, uh, I, I'm not sure that Norm Macdonald is a Hall of Famer alone, let al like let alone a first ballot Hall of Famer. I just mm. think he's he's well remembered. I think he's he brought a danger to the show, um, but I just don't think he had like this storied SNL career that was, uh, you know, fantastic Hall of Fame worthy. Well, you, you say Hall of Fame alone, and I, I feel that there is only just one Hall of Fame that contains Norm. Because he was a man alone, I feel, in the show, uh, in, in a weird way. And of all the people on the show, I've had the most dramatic, uh, you know, d just journey with. And, and people that have listened to the show were, were just like, yes, back in the 90s, mid-90s, uh, I loved Norm's update. I was... Uh, gutted when he was was taken off the update i followed him into his sitcom roles and thereon and then returning to the show for the podcast and really sort of like breaking down and and again norm's working with jim downey on his updates so we're already working with a man that i nominated for the hall of fame jim downey uh, they are working simpatico on these updates, and they die for me. They do not work for me these days. Now, mostly 
95% of updates do not work at all. Uh, vintage updates do not work for me at all. But but norms like very like it's like we we started calling it norm bingo because he would just have these you know Marion Barry smokes crack uh president clinton smokes weed uh you know oj's a murderer we would it was is like we kept on coming back to these themes over and over you can have a compilation of just simply calling oj a murderer and that's the point that's what makes it hall of fame because it's like you don't have to exist in that time period to be so impacted by it. It's like Gilda with like these characters that like were like going over and over and and that's why it's so imprinted. So for me, like that is a version of being impactful is like if you do the same thing over and over again, because now people can digest it. Like when someone's like sitting on the toilet and they're on YouTube and they're procrastinating, like, yeah, you pull up an OJ Simpson, Norm Macdonald compilation and you watch it for 27 minutes and you laugh, and then you're late to whatever you have to do. Not speaking. Yeah, I, I don't feel that like I don't know because that. you're getting the same joke over and over again. So you're sitting on the toilet and you're just impacted by fiber. The same thing, and now you're blocked up. Now you're not even pooping anymore because you've had the same joke delivered not to me, you week. Maybe that's a <laughs> problem, not a me. I'm problem. Just, Nicole, you started this. <laughs> what are we, what are we even talking about? <laughs> I just think, uh, like, I wonder how much the era plays into it with with Norm. Like, for John to say, you know, that he might not even be a Hall of Famer at all, like that strikes me because I, like, I definitely see him. You know, well, I haven't I haven't revealed any of my picks, but uh, he mm-hmm. would be he would be one of my picks for sure. Yeah, but Jay, but nineteen ninety seven Andy yeah. would totally be on board with you. Twenty twenty two Andy is like I've gone back to these things. And they just, they die so hard for me. And actually, if you go back and watch the live recordings, they die mostly for the audience, for the yeah. audience too. Yeah. yeah, Like, that's why Don Olemeyer said, you got to get rid of this guy because it's too divisive. This is, th- this is breaking up the show too hard. You can't have a chunk of sketches and then Norm comes out. And just does whatever the hell he wants to do, bomb or whatever, and sit there in in amusement of his own bombing or whatever, and and people love that. Are we talking about toilet stuff, or are we talking about yes, norm now? Yeah. Still yeah. talking about toilets, John. <laughs> okay, um, so yeah, can I can I just say one thing? Because I, I sounds like want... you're constipated. I yeah. am. <laughs> it's okay. been three hours. I need to poop. <laughs> okay, let's let's rapid fire this, and I know Bill wants to get in, so I, I sorry, Bill. I just want to say really quickly uh, to Jamie's point about uh, Norm McDonald's on Weekend Update. In my opinion, I actually think that if you look at all the Weekend Update anchors post the original cast, so not including like Bill Murray, uh, Jane Curtin, uh, Dan Aykroyd, uh, like all uh, Chevy Chase, uh, those to me are Hall of Famers. I actually think only Seth Meyers qualifies, in my opinion, uh, after the, from what? from a uh, from a uh, Weekend Update anchor perspective. So wow. it has not Kevin. Um, no, past, past the original cast. So I think oh. that, yeah, so I, that, that's just my two cents on it. Seth is a nominee tonight, so I'm not going to make a case for him, but I just think that you have to really, really fight for why a weekend update anchor is a hall of famer, uh, when they're not as much a part of the rest of the show. Mm. Well, my Fair thing enough. is, and, well, and we're already going like, so late, yeah. so I'll just lay yeah. this out very quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. but my, my thing is I, uh, for a weekend update host to work for me now, I want to see them uh, do crowd work. 
And so that's why a Kevin Nealon or a, a, a Colin Quinn, if we're going to box in um, Norm, is, is that they like I do like them reacting to crowd reaction. Because most of these jokes don't hit for me anymore. They're they're too lost to time. But their reactions to what the crowd gives them, that is what I can feed into. Norm's on his own plane where he does not give a shit. And so there's no give and take of watching that. And so uh that that's kind of why I'm just I'm I'm so le- I'm left cold. You know, I just yeah. I also think if you go back, like I know he he's a he's an update anchor, but if you go back and watch, like he, like there was one of those early years that he was on that he was almost like like the leading man sketch, you know, like he was the 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 person cast. Now, Bill, you've been waiting here. Yeah, can, can I finish? Uh, yeah, no, I'm gonna go again <laughs> for another twenty minutes. <laughs> Uh, I am with Nicole. This is my final nominee. Um, Now, Weekend Update is my favorite part of the show. Always has been. And really, I yeah, I but and I understand both Hmm. Andrew and John's points. The problem is that I think you have to take these weekend updates with a grain of salt. Obviously, this is all very topical. Obviously, there's stuff that you're not going to get, even if you lived through it. and the repetitiveness did get to be a problem with Norm, but he changed the game, uh, just like Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller and Norm are my favorite two weekend update anchors because the update was dying, um, especially before Dennis. Um, you know, uh, all that Saturday night news garbage and Brad Hall and all of those people before that. Oh my God. Sorry. Yeah, I like Brad Hall in other ways. But anyway, um, but fair I enough, think fair I think Kevin Nealon was a terrible choice for oh my a replacement God. for Dennis Miller. Bill, you're killing me. <laughs> Am I killing you? <laughs> so oh. when Norm came in, he he turned it on a dime and he changed the way Weekend Update was done. You know, coming out and saying these, you know, here's the fake news. When fake news was a funny thing to say, as opposed mm. to now, um, I I really think he was a, an integral part of changing Weekend Update for the better. Plus all of his sketch work, his impressions, his Letterman, his Dole, his Larry King. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm going with Norm. Hmm. Fair enough. Excellent. All right. Well, we went through pretty a much lot. everyone's list, but we. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think I think I think my more. list. Yeah, Andrew's list and Bill's list are done, but Nicole has a few more. Yeah. All right. Mm, so if you want to wrap up, I fire have like. Us. No, I think everyone else. I, I, there, everyone else. I'm like we, when in the context of like history and things, like everyone else. I want to give them a couple more years. Um, actually, I have two more people. Emma Stone, who needs a few more years. She needs to hit her. Mm. She needs to get her jacket, and then we'll talk. That's how I yeah. feel about Emma Stone. I'm a little yeah. concerned that she's lost interest. And I know it's literally only been like two years ish, but I'm like Emma, like please, please come back. No, I feel like Emma Stone might be a John, a, 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 a John Ham situation where it's like no. a three and done, and it's no. like oh boy, those were all great, but like you know, no, I don't think it that. might be. I- no, because she's well. She did four in over what, like eight, eight years or something like Has that. It been four, four years. Yeah, yeah four. She's right. she's done four, and I mean, she did have a baby this year with with a you know a former SNL uh, worker, uh, Dave Dave McCary is her husband. 
um, of the the good neighbor peeps, right? He was the, he wasn't the third, yeah. but he worked with them. He was the third. He was one, the right? director, right? Exactly. He worked, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, she's in the family as much as like anyone is in the family, as much as Kim Kardashian or Scarlett Johansson. Like Emma Stone is that in a sense. So, in addition to just like so many, yeah, yeah. The longer we go, the the, the weirder I'm going to get. But anyway, <laughs> um, that would be a quote right out of like Lonely Island, something. I, I know. Anyway, so no Emma Stone, like, like I would say a solid like 26 percent of my favorite sketches of like the last 10 or 15 years, like she's in. Um, I just, I love her. She's done so much amazing stuff for the show. Clearly like a lifelong fan, like doing, again, we're uh, circling back the Roseanne, Rosanna Dana at the, the 40th. Like for me, like that kind of cemented her, even yeah. though she had that one little flub in it. I feel like that even like was made it what it was. Cause she was like, I don't even want to pretend to be as good as Gilda was at this. Like she had that yeah. one little, little screw up in it. And I feel like that's what made it special to me. I was like, yeah, yeah you can definitely you feel know. that she is a, a hard core SNL fan. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's like, what I love. She is yeah. deep in it. So yeah. yeah. So I like she's she, a future hall of famer, but I just, she's think yeah. That she's, yeah, yeah. I need she's her to get close. that jacket. Once she gets that jacket, I'll be back here in a year and I'll be like, I'll, I'll, here's my commitment. If you invite me back, I will, Call and this is assuming you invite me back. Assuming Emma is a is five timer in the next year, I will put her first in my wow. list. Okay, oh, wow. so so she's not now, and that's really the only other one I I really had to say. So I ended up with like with my JT addendum, I ended up with like thirteen. Hmm. I have I have fourteen here, but who's, sure, who's counting? Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. I am. So. This is pretty wild. Uh, it, it started, <laughs> this is it, pretty wild. It, it started out very, um, you know, with consensus throughout. But your lists now, looking at them, they all look pretty different. I am stumped because there's some still some major names left off. You know, like we didn't hear anybody talk about Conan O'Brien. We didn't hear mm. anybody talk about uh, Prince. You know, yeah, we didn't hear anybody talk about. I mean, I feel uh, like like looking at those names, I just feel that they didn't have the impact on SNL. Was the thing yeah, fair you enough? Know, that that was simply the thing. Like, oh, Prince, oh, Conan. But I mean, even but like Conan will definitely. Just like, I didn't get much on. None of these things were were the best of the era. So, um, yeah. you know, I I I couldn't in the end. Yeah. No. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see these votes roll in, you know, as we do these episodes and, uh, and, and, and I watch them roll in. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I'm really curious. Well, thank you so much for taking, you know, a, a you know, what turns out to be a considerable chunk of your day <laughs> in the scheme of things. Uh, I really, truly appreciate it. And, um, <laughs> Uh, thank we you should make so the much. podcasting hall of fame for the amount that we contributed. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. <laughs> Jamie, can we well, do some plugs before we head out? Absolutely. Everybody should uh, plug away. Okay. John, well, why don't you start? We'll go in our order that we've been going in. 
Yeah, well, if you haven't checked out the SNL Network and you're watching season 47, you are missing out because we're having a lot of fun over at the shows. We have our hot take shows that happen right after the show airs live on YouTube at 1.10 a.m. A lot of the fellow company that I have on this podcast joins me for those shows. And we also have our roundtables on Monday nights where we dive even deeper into the shows. We have lots of fun discussions. So if you are over three hours into this podcast, you're going to love everything that we're doing over at the SNL Network. And, uh, yes. you know, as, as, you're, as you're hearing this, uh, you know, as Justin Tim Timberlake says it's gonna be May, and we have three more shows that are, are happening to wrap up the season. So make sure that you join us. Find us at the SNL Network, uh, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and as for me, um, yeah, you can also sometimes find me on the SNL Network, uh, making John question his choices. <laughs> into what he's doing (laughs) which always brings great joy to me but uh elsewhere you can find me at my home uh that week in snl with where me and my buddy tim jacali are discussing vintage episodes of that week in uh, of uh, snl what am i saying god lordy geez it's so late um but if you have made it this late and you like old school snl you might like our show Please, I'm done talking for the night. Bye now. Bill, go. Well, I think we should make this another hour or so. Let's see what we can do here. No, please, no. You can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at BKLove73. And, of course, I'm on the SNL Network uh, with these fine people on Superfan Podcasts and Roundtables and all that fun stuff. So check us out over there. Awesome. Same here. I mean, you can also, in addition, I'll, I'll discuss what I do at the SNL Network. You could also go visit my Miley Cyrus episode in the SNL Hall of Fame uh, section of, of podcasts. And clearly, my pick is the best because none of these other people promoted their own picks via the you know the episodes where they talked about it. If they <laughs> were not been them. invited, oh yeah, Taylor um, Swift. I forgot. <laughs> oh. I was yeah. We won't even get into it. Okay. Well, if anyone has been on it, I kind of I I I was on one. John John was on a few. So, but he didn't he didn't advocate for everyone that he talked about. So uh, whatever. But I was on one, um, and I talked about like my favorite celebrity, Miley Cyrus, who's just deserves to be here. And also on the SNL Network, you can everything that John said. We're doing a lot of fun stuff. I also I co-host the Hollywood Dish show that we do on Thursdays during SNL weeks in advance of the SNL. So if the SNL is on a Saturday, obviously any SNL, we're going to be the Thursday prior on Hollywood dish. And we're talking about everything going on in pop culture. So when I went on my rant about the low rise jeans and you're like, well, what are you talking Like, why, why is that important? We tell you why that's important on Hollywood dish. <laughs> so go listen to that. <laughs> we give you all the, all the, all the context for things that are super stupid that we love <laughs> and we have fun. And then also, yeah, I'm on some hot take shows. I, I'm all around. And then, you know, I, I do a lot of our social media stuff and we're always like engaging with everybody in our DMs. So just slide in and talk to us. It's so much fun. And my personal is also at Nicole Rovine on whatever Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, anything, just like reach out to me. And I'm very online. So I will respond and engage and say hi. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being so awesome this evening, all of you. Uh, We'll do this again in a year. What? Talk to you then. (laughs) We're doing this again in a year?